0: Yes, here we go. We've got a Jambo's legend. Not only played for hats, but also broke a few hats in his time. Gary <laughs> <laughs> <luck. laughs> How you all doing, mate? All right?
1: All right, pal, aye. You're you looking know, great. You look like can still play. I wish I could. If the, if the knee would hold up, I'd maybe have a wee chance, but, eh, uh, nah, delighted to be back at the club. You know, i spent a lot of great years here, and uh, when Anne brought me back as ambassador, it's, uh, I'm losing a couple of the wrinkles and that that I got when I was a manager here, so... Uh, great to be back You're looking trim as well Do you keep yourself I try and keep myself uh, I do a fair bit of spinning And all that um, I struggle you know, with, the, with the playing side you Now My mates are always at me To play five of sides And all that But twisting and turning Is no for me anymore But running in a straight line or, or cycling I'm not too bad Just get you on the ball me That's it pal Never That's mind running
0: But I've got your player Manager And now on a fucking jolly Up as a club in <laughs> <laughs> What is a club ambassador Come on tell you?
1: I, no, um, I think they're becoming More and more popular uh, I see a lot of ex-players now that are getting roles like that at clubs and basically i'm kind of involved in everything here when ann brought me back to the club eh, obviously it was a great time to come back we were building this new stand that we're sitting in at the minute um, and it was exciting times and basically she says wanting to come in kind of be the face of the club help with the players with certain things eh, in terms of personal appearances all that type of stuff eh, help with the local schools charities and then on a match day Know, try and get some ex-teammates back along to the game, go around the, the hospitality suites, make sure everybody feels welcome at the club and that. So it's been a great role so far and I've I've really enjoyed it.
0: Brilliant, mate. Uh, always, as you said, an affiliation with Hearts. Hearts fan growing up or Hibs, oh, Hibs fan, was it?
1: Not? Oh, massively. <laughs> they, I didn't get on too well with them growing up, to be honest with you. But, uh, I think, uh, Bonner- like, Rig, wasn't it? Bonnerig. Rig guy, Bonnerig boy. Brought up sort of council estate there, massive Hearts area. Uh, so me, my, my two brothers, my dad, we went everywhere we hearts, you know, say, for probably two, three-year-old. Home and away? Home and away. Everywhere. Um, as I say, never really missed a game, we on the Danderol hearts bus. Uh, but there was a huge contingent for Bollerig went on that. And uh, we never missed a game, obviously. In that time, for kind of 78, 79 season, all the way up to kind of when I played 90, 90 early 90s i never seen us winning anything, so I thought, you know, I've supported a team that's no the greatest. <laughs> but it was brilliant, you know, it was brilliant watching Hearts, seeing us getting promoted, relegated, and generally felt I'd never ever see us winning anything, <laughs> but fortunately for me, we did. Uh-huh. How were you picked up with Hearts, just playing with our local boys club? I played with, I started off at a team called Panda Youth Club in Mayfield, uh, just where, where I stay. Uh, and I played up there at Under 10s and I went into Hutchie Vale in, in Edinburgh Oh, well, Hutchie a massive club? Massive uh, boys club, still uh, no, a brilliant boys club now and I uh, came right through with a guy called Paddy Dolan who was no, a brilliant coach and probably one of the, mo- the early influences on my career apart from my dad, Paddy was brilliant with his, uh, and then I started kind of training with Dundee when I was nineteen year old and probably the last club that I actually started training with was Hearts. I went for years floating about with Celtic Rangers. I used to go down to Man United in the school holidays. I was like, what am I doing wrong here? How come Hearts haven't had a look at these? And then kind of 11, 12-year-old, I went to a tournament down at to Easter Craigs throughout Glasgow. And uh, Ian Grassick, the Hearts scout at the time, gave my dad his card and never looked back after we to that. You had to
0: Glasgow to get a trial try- It was like a
1: tournament <laughs> with Hockey, We Aye. played like tournaments all over the place. And we went through Easter Craigs and uh, played with Hockey in that tournament. I did all right in the tournament and then Hearts. That's kind of scouted his that day and then I came in, started training with a guy called Kenny Brown and then never really looked back after that. Uh-huh. Was
0: it 92-93 uh, you first started getting with the first teams Was it Joe Jordan the manager?
1: Uh, Joe was, was gaffer, eh? aye, he was gaffer. and uh, He was brilliant. He was the first manager that I kind of worked with that changed the whole kind of culture. You know, he had obviously played in Italy and when he came in, it was like the boys would start to eat differently, would train differently. Pre-season was completely different. Uh, so I seen a, a kind of another side to, to football that I'd probably never, ever been used to. And then Sandy Clark was obviously a huge influence on, on myself, Paul Ritchie, Alan Johnston, mm. um, Alan McManus, all these boys, Kevin Thomas. We all came through with Sandy. He was he was brilliant. And it wasn't until Joel left that I actually made my first team debut, but I learnt so much under him.
0: See, just on the debut, obviously being
1: a big, massive Hearts fan, what, what do you remember? Did you know you were going to play or was it... Now, I was on, I'd been on the bench. Um, Marcel and Alan Johnston were supposed to go to New Zealand um, well, under Joe. Uh, basically, it was a three-month jolly. But he wanted us to go and, and play in New Zealand uh, over the summer. Right. And you know, Joe was, you know, uh, he was like, you oh, need to go. It's an experience that you'll never forget. So I'd actually I mean, I'd set up a bank account and everything to go to New Zealand. Uh, and about two days before we were due to go, Joe uh, got sacked. And Sandy Clapp took over, so the morning we were supposed to fly out, we got a phone call from Sandy saying, you're not going to New Zealand anymore, you and Alan are in the first team squad for this weekend's game against Airdrie. So obviously you're, can, my, my whole dream growing up, can, young lads will say now, well, I dream of playing with Barcelona, Real Madrid. Mine was simple, it was like, I dream of playing for Hearts. So I was kind of was made up, to help my dad and I, the whole family was made up, but they were at the games anyway, so they were all here. I was on the bench, we drew one each, and Alan scored. He made his debut that day, didn't get on. So I was obviously gutted at the, at the end of the game, but I was like buzzing the fact I'd been on the bench for the first team. And then the following week, we played St Johnston last game of the season. And I remember Derek Ferguson saying to me, You'll make your debut the day. He says, Because I'm going to come off. <laughs> so he yeah. Just to let you get on. Brilliant. And, uh, what a guy, Derek. Uh, brilliant, it? honestly. Uh-huh. What a player. Uh-huh. Like, growing up, you know, I, I loved. I loved watching Fergie every day, you know. And and I was always a central midfielder as a kid. So I kind of tried to model my game on him. See, I know the guy you are. See, when you were a young kid, were you chirpy with the first team or were you quiet? When I first came in, I remember my first day here like yesterday. I come in and obviously you're buzzing, hearts fan, young hearts lad and that. So I came in and it was during the close season. And we had a physio here, Alan Ray absolute maniac, right? So his job at the time now, you've got like youth coaches and that, he basically took care of all the young lads when you came in. So I've came in my first day, there was only a big boy, John McCaffrey was on the treatment table and the boys, I can't even tell they were the in, but I was the only young lad in and uh, I was sitting and Alan says, right, no training today, but I'm going to give you a circuit. So I'm like, all right, magic. So he's gave us a circuit and I'm looking at him going, I did not have a fucking clue what a burpee was or whatever. <laughs> so I says to Big John, he says, What's a burpee? And he's like, stand on that. It was a big, like, it was a beam, right? He says, put your foot on it and touch your toes. So I'm doing this, right? And I, when he's walked in and he's like, fuck, are you, <laughs> you doing? <laughs> and I'm sitting going, then um, a burpee. He's like, that's not a fucking burpee, you <laughs> idiot. He says, get down and give me 20 press-ups and that. So it was horrible with me, right? Absolutely horrible. Yeah. Made my, my day a misery. So I went home, my dad's like, was it? And I was like, oh, I fucking hated it. See I didn't want to go back mm-hmm. He's like Nah you need to get your finger Out your ass You've got to be a bit Braver than that So I've come in the next day And Alan was a completely Different person He's like How you doing Alright did you enjoy yourself Yesterday And I'm like How can you be So horrible to me Yesterday Yet you're so nice to me Today And what it was It was just testing Your character To see if you could Handle a wee bit of stick And because I went in The next day He's like Right aye Well done You did alright yesterday You did a few jobs And all that Welcome to hearts So that was a it was an initial sort of grounding for me yeah. that you have to accept a wee bit of stick because if you can't, you'll you'll crumble, especially at a big club like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the grounding we got at Hearts under Alan Ray and Sandy Clark stood us on in, in great stead for the careers that we all had.
0: So he's a manager who's here now, was also a player as well. Craig Levine, was aye. he different to how he is now? Cause he's, might, he's might
1: be a hard bastard. He's mate, he? aye. Mell- he was well, I seen that for myself. <laughs> he do out by Coggie and aye, I played that night. Honestly I was just a young lad at the time uh-huh. And uh, you know, I don't know, Craig will regret that uh, When he looks back at his career But it was like it was a friendly And uh, Big Hoggy just t- kept heading the ball And all of a sudden Craig just turned round <laughs> Bang And at half time you're just sitting there Hoggy's lying with his nose all over the place Big Craig's obviously sitting there Gutted at what he had done And uh, Tommy McLean was the manager at the time you're sitting like What's happened here? It's a friendly. We're doing nine men, uh, but you know it was kind of something that it happens a lot. You've just been yeah, there yourself, you know, on training pitches. Uh, people lose their rag with each other. You get the odd fight now and again. But again, it's it's kind of part of your part of being in a team, part of the team spirit. Everybody wants to win. Uh, but it was a, <laughs> it was a night I I'd kind of just breaking through. So it was I couldn't believe what had happened. that would always be on you. I but he was a captain. He was a captain here and. Yeah, it was great with us as a young kid. You know, he was always, obviously, encouraging you. Yeah, but when you go in the first team, you know, it, was, it was a matter of winning. Okay, that, that's one yeah. thing that kind of disappoints me a wee bit now. Is I hear all the time, oh, you've got to enjoy it, you've got to enjoy it. But when you get into the first team environment, you only enjoy it when you win. if you didn't win, managers get the sack. If you didn't win, you get moved on to another club. So you've got to win. And that was one thing that Craig, Dave McPherson, Gary Mackay, Robbo... Al McLaren all these boys they were brilliant but when you got in the first team you learn you learnt quickly you couldn't make mistakes do
0: you think that's why you went and had the career you had because of that grounding Aye, you had
1: the grounding ground I had here I would never change and you know I know we've got to move with the times and all the rest of it but it never done me any harm you know Sandy was really tough with us uh, Came we had Jobs today here, we'd clean the terrace in on a Monday morning, which was honestly was horrendous. Well, even when you were in the first team, was that even, still... even with the first team? I you play, the, I'd play the first team on a Saturday, Monday. I was in the shed picking up like sort of crisp packets that were in the urinals and that, you know, with bare hands. And it was, honestly, it was, you'd come in minging, <laughs> you'd have to shiver for about four hours. <laughs> but it was like if you didn't get your finger out and want to be footballers, you might end up, you know. Sweeping the streets or picking up litter or working with the council and that. So it was a, it was a brilliant grounding. And I think, and it gave you a responsibility as well, Ken. We all had jobs today. And if we didn't do them properly, you know, Sandy would have the lot of us out, out in the pitch, staying laps in the pitch. Mm-hmm. It was basically, if you make a mistake with your job or on the pitch, you've got to cost your teammates. So you've got to learn. And, uh, you know, I think we've got to, I'm not saying go back. Back, go back to that, but have young lads taking a wee bit more responsibility as youngsters because you didn't really see that now.
0: As you mentioned, uh, like his
1: teeth, Joe Jordan
0: lost his job that season, uh, replaced with Sandy Clark. What was it and you I think Sandy Clark seen?
1: I think he's, he's seen somebody that obviously was a, a big hearts man and any player says it, they were winners but I genuinely, you even for a young kid, I used to if we got beat, I'd be greeting for about two hours after the game. Must have done a lot of crying eh? uh, all the time. <laughs> well, especially watching Herts when I was a young lad. And, uh, because we had been so close all the time, you know. But when I got into the Hearts team, I was like, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to win something. Not just as a player, but as a fan. You know, I was a huge fan. The no only thing I'd seen Hertz winning was the 10 at 60. Eh? And even that, I think it was with my dad, we had a bender for about two days. <laughs> <laughs> and you're sitting going, 10 at 60, so surely we can do better than that. And then I'd, I'd been at the at Dens, 86. I'd been at the Airdrie semi finals, the St. Mirren semi finals, where we kind of, were expected to go and win. And we went to the cup final against Aberdeen and that. And you're like, i have never got to see Hertz winning eh? So when I got into the first team, it was like I was doubly de- determined to try and win something because. We kept getting told that if Hearts win something, it'll be unbelievable, you'll never believe it. But when, obviously when I got into the team, we would never ever won anything. We'd always got so close. Uh, so when I got in the team, we all had a determination to try and win something.
0: Chick Chanley said that Sandy Clark found it tough with big characters. Was it, was it similar here at
1: Hearts? No, I think because when Sandy took the job, he had obviously played with, with Robbo and, and Big Slim and McLaren and that, and then he brought all of us through. So that was kind of the nucleus of the, of the team that Sandy had. And obviously we had we all had huge respect for Sandy, and he was he was, he was a. I thought he was really unlucky here because he put all, all the young lads in, um, and we 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 didn't have a brilliant season, but the, we certainly showed that we were improving. And I think the last 20 games we were unbeaten. Um, and then when he left, you know we were all we were all devastated. You know you see now managers come and go all the time, and you look at players and. Doesn't it doesn't look like some of them are bothered, mm. which for me, I think, I think it's embarrassing. You know, if you're playing, it doesn't matter if you like the manager. or If you do not like the manager, you should be getting it your best shot every week. And we did that. And uh, you know, we were gutted to see him go. But he had, he had uh, huge respect here for the fans because he was a, he was a brilliant player for Hearts, Sandy. But he was a, he was a brilliant coach, and he had, he had brought a lot of success here with, with a young lad. Uh, and you know, I was gutted when he left because. We genuinely felt that if he would if he'd got another couple of years here, we probably could have, have maybe someone. won something before we actually did.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, you mentioned John Robertson as well. We've had Ali
1: McCoyston who said that Robertson was top class. Aye. How, how good was he? Oh, he was a phenomenal finisher. It was just unfortunate, Robo, I think, at the time where he played here. You know, you had, as you said there, you had Coysty who was unbelievable for Rangers. Then you had Avery, Morris Johnston, Alan and you Can you look at the strikers Scotland had? and then that's not even mentioning like Robert Fleck, boys like that, mm. uh, but Robo, any type of finish, was unbelievable, like right foot, left foot, header, uh, and you knew that if we got a chance, he would score, it was, a, it was a nightmare at times to play again, you'd be running by him, to go and close a fullback? But, and you'd be like, fuck it, hey, chance, <laughs> you'd be like, shut up, just get the ball in the box, and I'll, <laughs> I'll get you your win bonus, uh-huh. and sure enough, I remember a couple of games out there, against Hibs, I've had the, I mean, the worst shot in the world, sclaffed it, it's landed at his feet two seconds later, bang, in the net, and you're sitting going, that's why he, he doesn't run about, because oh, yeah. when it comes in the box, he was as good as anybody, and I, I genuinely feel that if he had played with a Rangers or a Celtic, I was delighted he never right enough, he probably would have scored 30, 40 goals a season. Easy. How, how was he, like, see when your delivery wasn't good in the box, would he slot on you? Oh, aye hammer, hammer you. And he used to crack up at me and Alan quite a lot, because a lot of times I would just give Alan the ball. And he'd be like, oh you, you little f have a look up. Because he was brilliant in his feet. Right. As much as you know, a lot of people didn't give him credit for that. See, when you played the ball on his feet, he was really strong. Keep it huh? He did have the fattest ass in the world, too. <laughs> so he was alright that one. <laughs> uh, but he'd back into folk all the time, hod it in, and then like Alan could maybe run off almost him or a midfielder. Gary Mackay was brilliant He would running across the face of him and getting the bolts. Um, but aye, uh, he wasn't nay- was shy in letting you know. But he was great for us, you know, him and his wife at the time, Tracy, they really looked after us, you know, his Saturday night, uh, he would always take us out on a Sunday morning. Tracy always made us a lovely breakfast So you'd and stay that, at John Robertson's oh, house after a night out. Stayed in his house. I, mean, I had, I had a house the size of Edinburgh a Castle, guess, so <laughs> all, the, all the boys had a room each. <laughs> Who'd always be on the night? Would it be oh, the full team or would it just aye. be a select few? We had a brilliant team spirit here, uh, but obviously all the young lads, we all came through together. So you had like Marcel, Alan McManus, Kevin Thomas, Paul Ritchie, Alan Johnston... And then you had like Robo, Neil, Point, and Nipper, uh, We all loved. We all loved like playing football, but we all liked to be out yeah. every now and again. So, it was, had, my first flat was basically just across from where my mum stayed. And like you'd have the boys running about the street at three, four in the morning, well, and all that. I was like, "Oh <laughs> I need to move." my mum's at the window, seeing like some of them running down the street with no clays on, and all that. Right, we need, I need to move first. So I need to get get away so she can't see all this misdemeanour and then we'd, uh, we'd end up at Robos, where uh, we all had a wing each so it oh, was brilliant it was, yeah. brilliant. And, it uh, it was a great times because like nowadays you know you know yourself in a team you have to have a laugh away for football as well as you know at the training ground uh, but we wouldn't have got away with half the stuff that we, we got away with you know in the days would
0: managers encourage you to all go together
1: sir? aye uh, they, back did, in the day they, they did, did didn't Sa- they? Sandy uh, and the gaffer Jim Jeffries he, he was a big believer in you know no, drinking all the time. Kind of, we didn't go out and get absolutely smashed all the time. We'd go, especially when I was captain, we'd always maybe go go-karting or paintballing or we'd go down to England and take a game in and that. Because I felt it was important for, for just the boys to get to know each other away from the training pitch. Because you, you know what it's like when you're at training, it's all football, football, football. But when you get away, you maybe be talking about different things. Which, uh, which I felt was Birds really
0: important. Are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you say, Sandy Clark got sacked and uh, Tommy McLean followed. How different was he to no, Sandy? It was, it man. Man.
1: It was dif- completely different. Obviously, t- Tommy came in and, uh, you know, I didn't really play much under Tommy. You know, I had, I had huge, huge respect for Tommy like I did every manager, but, you know, I wasn't playing. So, you know, I, I tried my best. Why well, uh, do you think you weren't playing? Probably... When he came in, my first game, we were up at Aberdeen and uh, we were getting beat 1 0 at half time. He was just looking at me and he's like, See you, son, you're maybe a big hearts man, but you're shite. <laughs> <laughs> Get in the shower. So after that, I genuinely didn't play for months and I'm sitting gone. But again, we, we plugged away, we, we won the Reserve League again uh, that season. And towards the end of the season, I think he obviously thought, you know what, they're not as bad as maybe what I thought initially. So Marcel and Alan and, and Kev, we started to get a wee bit more game time under them. But by that time, we were really struggling. Um, and we came in the last three, two, three games and we just just avoided relegation that season, which for, for hearts was an embarrassment. Mm. And we shouldn't be fighting relegation. Uh, and then obviously that summer, Jim Jeffries came in and, and everything turned round again for me. And the jet arrives. What yeah, was your yeah, first impressions I of him and Billy Brown? Ah, brilliant. They were... What I loved about them, they were honestly two of the hardest boys you, you could work for, like in terms of standards, but they were brilliant. You see, if you, if you turned it on and you, and you worked hard, you might, didn't have to play well all the time. As long as you gave it everything you had, they would have you every day of the week. If they ever seen you slacking off, my God, it was unbelievable. What's it the to, worst to have seen them crack at uh, It was a semi-final with the Scottish Cup, we played me Gar- Gary Naismith, I'll tell you this. We are playing in the semi and he was getting a hard time for Kevin McCaster. So he's come in at half-time and he's grabbed wee guys by the throat. He wouldn't get away with it, anyway. he's got him up here and his wee legs are like <laughs> this. He says, if we get beat today, it's fucking your fault. He says, you better get your act together and all that. He went berserk. And then, uh, there was an half time. We were on our great run. Nearly top of the league and we played St Johnston. I think it was a Monday night. And we actually won the game 3-2. I'm joking, we were in the dress, we are in the dress, it was about half a right, and he's gone berserk, he's have let everybody do, you've let the fans down. that's not acceptable, I'm not accepting that as hearts manager, you are better than that, and I'm sitting to filters and I'm like, we won, <laughs> <laughs> and he's gone berserk, right. filters is like, start taking his strip off, gets the shorts on that off, he was a character, and all. goes well, into then, the, the, the shower, yeah. <laughs> Jeffries goes through, Basically picks him up with They net, sit there, and he's like, "Gaffer, I just want to go home and see it. like the wanes." Yeah, that's how he, oh, I just want to go home and see the rains <laughs> It's quarter to twelve, and he's like, "You'll sit there until I'm finished." And that was like the respect that we had for him. Mm-hmm. So we'd won the game. And I think the wee boys in Johnston Groundsman must have been saying, "Can any chance of him gone home tonight?" But that was what him and Billy were like. They had set such high standards, but brilliant management team to worked for. I mean, they were so so good with the what boys what was the good part how did, how did they get the best out of you how did he get the best out of you just confidence just he, confidence his man management was second to none and he, he knew how to kind of get you going like I remember like, one game at Hibs we were, we were winning at half time 2-0 I think it was he was doing it at Easter road and he's coming so you're, you're going in you're 2-0 up Derby and like brilliant buzzing Like see you even the Hibs groundsman says you're shite when you play at Easter road right and I'm sitting gone <laughs> I'm doing alright today <laughs> He's like Fucking rubbish And he kind of went right through me So obviously I'm, like, I'm Fucking I'm going to show I'll fucking show him So I've gone out the tunnel And I'm saying to Big Davey we're not. I'm like Am I? Do you think I'm playing bad? He's like I think you're doing alright I'm like Fuck, He's fucking out of order So We're in the second half We've won the game Everybody's buzzing it, And it's probably the only derby That I never went out After the game celebrated Because I was Raging at the fact that He thought I'd played badly yeah. So on the Monday I was can't for, I have a word? Like, see, on Saturday. He says, oh, that wasn't that bad. He went, I know you weren't. He says, but at 2-0, see, if they score, they're right back in it. So me and Billy are thinking, if we go in at half-time and we praise you, all, you'll go out and think he's have cracked it. So if I have a go at like you and Big Davey and, and Filters, I know that I'll get a reaction for you. So then I've walked out to his, his manager's room thinking, aye, aye, he's right, aye, <laughs> I'm delighted again. Uh. But at the time, I was can read, you know? Uh-huh.
0: But, Kevin Kyle said he used to
1: do that with him as well. Uh, he, he, well he was quite tough on Big Kyler. Because uh-huh. yeah, Big Kev, as you know, he was a big character uh-huh. in the we'll dressing room. Well, uh-huh. and he was influential in the dressing room, so... That's one thing he was good at. See, the boys that he knew were quite influential in the dressing room. He knew how to manage you. And he knew that, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, he gets away with murder him because the manager really likes him. And I think probably a lot of people thought that about me, because he took me two or three clubs. Mm. But he knew that, you know, if he had a go at me, I would get a, he would get a reaction. Through the whole dressing room? Through the whole dressing room, plus myself as well. So that's what they do. And if he didn't give it, we Billy would just standing behind him, just ready, ready to rock Did and roll. Did he wind it. him up? Oh, Billy was incredible. <laughs> he would just sit there. Jim, you need to have a word with him. So he'd go bananas. And if, if he went bananas at you, you're like, all right, neighbor, and the next thing, Billy would just step out for the shadows and he'd give you it both barrels and on. you're going, fucking hell, have they ever got to stop? And as much as they've done that, see when you won and you played well, they were brilliant. Couldn't make were, you feel like the uh, best uh, player in the world, didn't they? Huh? Absolutely loved playing for the two of them. And I think if you look at the success they had in their managerial career, all the boys you speak to, I'll all say that they love playing for them because they were, they, were they were a great man. Uh, everyone does say that it
0: comes on. Uh, he gave you the captaincy at age 20. Uh,
1: you remember that conversation? Never forget it. Pulled, pulled his into his office and he's like, usual, he's got a huge presence, the gaffer, So I'm sitting there <laughs> and I'm thinking, Shit, I've done something wrong. Because eh? the minute he says, oh, What word do you in the office? You're thinking, like, Oh no. So I goes in, he's like, What do you think I've got you in here for? And I'm like, Oh no, can I think last weekend? What was I doing last weekend? Did I, I behave? Did, did I get any bother or that? And I'm like, yeah, no clue. Aye, basically, yeah. I'm <laughs> like What's he got? You I'm like, I don't know, Gaffer. So, so I've done something wrong. He's like, Have you like? I says, No, I don't think so. He's like, About eh, to meet you, the captain, the mum. And like, I'm sitting there gone, I'm like, magic, but I didn't want to show any emotion I'm like, oh, that'd be brilliant, that'd be a dream come true kind of Unbelievable, I says, but can you've got Robbo, Gary McKay, Dave McF-. He says, no, no, I've got to change everything here He says, for you know, too long, we've been a club that have been nearly there He says, now's the time for change He says, we've had some great players here over the years But we've never won anything I'm going to start by making you the captain So I was like, oh, that's unbelievable. a huge honour he says, someone I've dreamt about all my life. Is it right, fuck off. <laughs> so i see the mom. So I've walked out, drove obviously straight back to my Dazzy and I'm sitting there I says, I've got to be captain in the morning. He's like, you're joking, you fucking captain of us? I says, that's ah, unbelievable. So obviously my whole family were buzzing for me and then we played part out there and it was a surreal feeling, Ed, leading the team out. nervous? Ner- <laughs> I was really nervous. I didn't really get nervous. There's one thing. I always like to sort of fart about in the dressing room and have a laugh and joking that before a game you'd get others that would sit and you'd be focused but I, I always felt the best way to prepare for a game was just relax. try to be bubbly and mm-hmm. relax have a laugh and a joke uh, but when I was leading the team out it was probably the first time I'd ever got a bit of butterflies so I'm like I want my first game as captain to be a win uh, and then we beat Partick so obviously that night we had a few beers with two of my great mates Gary McQuinney We joke Quinn had been with me for Day Dot met them met out a few beers Brilliant night, and it was a it was a great feeling just to captain hearts.
0: How was it? Uh, how was Robertson and Mackay in that
1: were they were you were getting the captain? They were great with me. I must admit, because um, I thought that was one thing I did think about. I thought, how's the older lads going to react? But I'd like to think that they liked me in the dressing room. You know, I got on well with. I like to think I got on well with everybody, uh, and you know they were great with me because uh, they could easily have, how the f***ing can how are you captain, twenty mm. year old? you've not even got that much experience behind you. But they were brilliant, you know, And I wasn't the type that thought, well, oh, that's me, cracked it. If I needed a bit of advice, which I did my whole career, I would always go to, you know, Gary Mackay and Robo uh, in the main. They were the two that really looked out for me and kind of asked them for advice, even when I was the captain. Mm. Uh, but one thing was, their, their social life certainly improved <laughs> since I got away to skipper because <laughs> I used to love that, organising things, getting us away places, doing the racing or whatever. Uh, and as a group, I felt you know that was part of your job as captain anyway was to keep the group close, keep everybody together, uh, and then on the pitch try and lead by example, and I think that's what I did. Did, did you announce it in front of everyone, or was it just to you told, and that was it done? He just told me, and then on the on the Saturday he named the team, and he went to captain, the um, and they'll be lucky. And a couple of boys like, I'm very good. <laughs> uh, here's, your, here's your dad gave you the, the captain's armband, and all. Oh, what's he making you for your tea tonight, and all that? But he did, he did look out for his, but I'd like to think that I repaid him in as much that, you know, he knew I was a decent lad in the dressing room and he knew that, you know, that I wasn't a bad player as well. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Scottish Cup final 1996.
1: How exciting was that oh, for a 20-year-old to build was, up to that? I was, like, buzzing that. And probably looking back and reflecting back on it, that was probably the reason I'd done my knee that day because we had about eight buses for Bonnerig. We all drank in the place. It used to be the 4 in but they changed it to the Chester's Hotel. So... We had about eight buses. I must have had to get about 300 or 400 tickets for the game. So when they build up to the game, you're like, Hearts youngest ever captain in a cup final. You're you're buzzing and I'm like, can thinking, imagine I'm the, the man that walks up, lifts a cup. Again, first time in many years. First time that anybody in my family probably ever seen Hearts winning a trophy. All that. And I probably got too, too worked up for the game. Mm-hmm. And we knew, we knew we were playing against a brilliant Rangers team. You know They had boys that were unbelievable, Loudrop, going. you know, all these boys, and I'm sitting saying, well, if we play our potential, we'll beat them, because that's how I, I got brought up, you know, I was, didn't fear anybody, didn't fear Rangers or Celtic, go out, you play your game, you'll beat them, and then eight minutes into the game, Gazza got the ball and he turned, and I just went to change direction, and I knew, because I'd never had a serious injury before, and I'm lying there, and Alan Ray came on, he's like, right, what is it, I says, something's went in my knee. He says, it's the worst pain I've ever had. And he's like, well, you need to get up, you need to play on. He says, you're the captain, we need you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Right. So I gets up, physio goes back off, and then I, I kind of ran across the pitch, and I'm like, oh, I've done something serious here. And then the ball went over my head, and I went to turn again, that was it, game over. Um, and I, it was just a mixture of emotions. I'm like, I can't even let the team down. I've let everybody down, and I'm kind of no fit. Uh, it's about 10 minutes into the game. Stretcher came on. I, I can remember, like the Hearts fans gave me around the applause, and that I was just, I was distraught. And I sat in the dressing room, and Alan was like, "You need." I said, "No, I going to go and see the game. And you need to let me go and see the game." So I hobbled out, and then like Rangers that day, Gordon Jury was out of this world. They, they destroyed us, and Big Jules, you know, he made a mistake for one of the goals. Uh, and after that, I was just distraught. I came back on the bus. There was thousands of Hearts fans at the George Hotel to see us. I just got a taxi, went back to Borlänge, sat sat with my dad and my brothers that night, had a couple of beers and just just went home. Mm. I was I was distraught.
0: Ninety nine section, you said you got the bad injury uh, in the final, I had to watch your team five one. Would that have been the lowest point in your career? Because then a uh, long injury that was after the biggest it, was
1: it? kick in the teeth ever. Plus as well, you know Scotland, we had got to the semi finals of the European Championships, and I was you no know, heavily involved in that team. I played all the games. I was really looking forward to that summer. Uh, 'cause we had the semi the European Championships and then Scotland did that, we were playing in the European Championships, so the plan was for my holidays I was gonna go down and watch uh, you know, Scotland doing in in the Euros. Right. Um so everything just went tits up I was like, couldn't they do that? I got my operation. And then, you know, I was in days, the days the the rehab for that injury is completely different now. Can if I'd done it maybe two back, <laughs> back back to touch in the days <laughs> of that. But the rehab was completely different, so if I'd done it maybe 10 years later in my career, I possibly could have played till I was maybe 39, 40. But because the rehab was, was so poor in the days to what it is now, it ended up you know, finishing my career at 34. Because you were linked to a few English clubs back then. I was, I have you aye. never got
0: injured you left to go to? Or would just I didn't think,
1: hat? it's not so much I would, I wanted to leave. You know, obviously I was hearts through and through, this was my dream. And no matter what had happened to me after I'd made my debut, you know I could I'd sit and say I've lived the dream. My dream was to play for Hearts. Simple as that. Um, but you know, if at the time the club wasn't in a great financial situation, you know, position. So it wasn't until obviously later on, Coventry City with Gordon Strachan was a manager at the time, and they had made a bid for me, which was a by all accounts a, a fantastic bid at the time. But it was before that final. So, obviously, I didn't think the manager wanted to tell me about it because he didn't want to unsettle me. Right. And it wasn't until after it, you know, he says, look, they've made a, a big bid for you. The club probably would have had to accept it because the the financial situation of the club. So I was fortunate in a way that I'd got my injury because I probably would have, would have left if if I had to go it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, did you still try to remain like a positive influence? Even though you were injured, Aye. would you still be in a bit of the boys? I mean,
1: it was hard because... All we had here was it was an old wooden gym with a speedball in it, a dip bar, pull-up bar and then we had like a leg press in the physio room. So Alan Ray, who you know, was brilliant with me as a young kid, he became my best mate because I was with him every day. The boys were brilliant with me and the management team were brilliant because sometimes when you're not playing for that length of time, can the manager can forget about you and, all right, they'll say hello to you every now and again but the manager really made me feel part of everything and I, obviously I'd go to all the games. Um, that probably didn't help me through my rehab because I'd, I'd just go and be a fan again. Mm-hmm. So I'd go and I'd have a beer before the game, and then I'd maybe have a pint after the game if we'd won. And I 'd be like, you can't, you're not a fan anymore. You're a player. But I'd like, well, look, I didn't like sitting with the with the boys that aren't playing because when they score a goal, you know, they, they didn't really celebrate. I like to sit with my mates. And
0: then
1: I got into a bit of trouble yeah, at a derby game. Yeah, there was a Hibs fan. He was. Constantly just shouting at me, and I, I probably sat in a stupid seat. I was right in the wheat field, right beside the Hib supporters, and he was like hugging his knee and getting all this and everything. So I stupidly then, it didn't normally get to me, but he had been just barracking me the whole 90 minutes. And towards the end, we scored, and I've jumped up, gave it that. Fucking <laughs> <came> back, <laughs> so I goes in on the Monday, and Gaffer's like, You getting what's this front page of the paper. Hearts captain could have caused a riot all that stupid lad at the time um, and I'm like listen I apologise I, sh- I should never have reacted um, I, I, I'll come with the team for I want so that was it after that, that it it like, tra- you're travelling with the team every game so my days then I knew then my days as a sort of fan were done were done because I had to obviously it's a big big honour being the captain of Hearts you can't behave like a a silly, silly wee boy and that's what I did that day and I paid the price for it. Uh Uh, Talking about the team uh, trips away, I heard a great one was at Magaluf, uh, floating in the pool. Well at the end of the season, Hearts always paid for us to go. To Magaluf? To Magaluf. As long as you did well, so, touch with you know, every season we had here we we achieved what we should have achieved, always got kind of into Europe, but we are always challenging at the top end, so you got rewarded for that. And any of the older lads that were married and that, they would get the headed letter, you know, it's, it's no... You can't just, like, decide whether you want to go or not. it's a club trip you to come. Oh, so it was brilliant, so the whole squad, um, we went, pff, must have been 10, 15 years running, but... After we won the Cup, obviously, we, we've went and we'd been on a bit of a bender after winning the Cup and we came here and we were flying through Manchester. So, me being me and Alan McManus being him, we gets to the top of the road there and Alan Ray... It was his, the manager didn't come till like three, four days after we went. So it was Alan Ray's job to get us down to Manchester, make sure we all got on the flight all right. And then he was coming back up and he'd fly over with the gaffer three, four days later. We gets to the top of Gorgie Road, says, Al, it's all right if we stop, just get a wee bite to eat in that. So I may possibly nips into the shop. Top of Gorgie Road, must have spent about four, five hundred quid on this carry. Gets it on the bus and Boone, that was his nickname, he went berserk. Who's Boone? Alan Alan Ray, the first one, he's like... What the fuck do you think he's doing? Like, well, we're going to Manchester. We're going on holidays. Like, you're still representing the club. He gave us this big spiel. <laughs> so the whole carryout got put underneath the bus. No way. We got like two, three beers. I thought you'd put him under uh, the bus and down the carryout. We tried. Trust me, we tried. <laughs> two, three beers each gets to Manchester. So as soon as he's went, see, is that was it? Absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal trip. Did Jet no get involved in the banter there? He would get involved, oh aye, he would get involved. But he was always, if the boys went out, he was always Separate. away out the road. Cause uh-huh. he, I think, and latterly when I got into the coaching side, I could understand why. Cause when boys got a beer in them, maybe the boys are only playing them. Maybe so oh, gaffer, how man are playing? And mm-hmm. it's not the right time to have a discussion like that. So he kind of stepped away from it. But he liked the fact that the boys would all be together and we'd have a good time together and that because I think that that made for a good dressing room but that that trip because we had we'd just won the cup um, it was a brilliant and the stories that I could tell you for that even there was one guy first night we were there had a heart stop on brilliant so I'm like how you doing and he's like can not believe it this is, um, this is a dream come true I've come to Mallorca and I've met the team so stayed with me all week stayed in I was I think it was who was our room I think it was the, Big Davey Weirer's room with me Slept with us all week Last night the, hall, the boy did The boy did Slept, oh, slept with us room. all week <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant Second last night I think it was This woman come up to me And like You You're a f- This and that And I'm like It's your problem Like see him that's my husband. <laughs> he passed for the whole he week. Passed <laughs> for the week. Spent the whole week with me and the team, and he was on holiday with his wife. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. And eh? it was brilliant. Honestly, <laughs> awesome. we scored the Easter Road The season after it, we're all celebrating, and I seen him. He's standing in the front you and all that. That's like that's legendary, man. He's come to Magaluf with his wife and spent the whole week with be the honest, team. Did you get off him? Nah, <laughs> <laughs> I was too drunk.
0: <laughs> Who else in that squad did have been no a good laugh? then? Fulton, oh, David My cross
1: was brilliant. Like. He, he he's probably ended up one of my best mates in the game. But Stevie Fulton, or her? Stevie Fulton and, and horse horse was who's horse? Well, Big were? Right, were right, okay. brilliant. I'm not like, even going to ask why he got called every, horse. I can imagine there a few, I think there's a few reasons as to why he got called that, right. and why he, why he ran had a horse's trot. Uh, but I'd go through to Falkirk with all Big Davies mates and uh, his mate Tommy. who's a great lad. Tommy and Jusy had like a pub and a nightclub, so. When we went as a team, it was difficult sometimes to go as a team in Edinburgh because obviously
0: you had Hearts fans
1: would recognise you, your Hibs fans would, would recognise you. So Tommy had the and pub in Shield Hill and honestly we used to go through and he'd have it all ready for us arriving. You know, there'd be like every colour of drink you could imagine on the bar. So if we had won, we are through there. Really, really looked after us uh, and then we'd go to Hughes' nightclub. It was called like FK1 or something in Falkirk, so we were in there and they two were brilliant for us, they were like, our social conveners, because we knew we would get, peace and quiet for them, but at the same time, they knew how like, say, some of the boys would behave, so, It'd be all right they with. would be, be alright with it and that.
0: Because everyone thinks Davey, was this big quiet guy. I ah,
1: know, eh? I mean, it, it's probably, he's got the four kids in that now, so he's settled right down, but, I used to, me and, me and Big Davy used to go, like, Pretty much all the time, like my mates so see say, McQuinney and we joke and, and Horsehood, his mates like Tommy and Hughie and that So we'd all go out together, we'd go on holiday together And even to this day we'd still meet up at the end of the season and, and go for a few beers Which, Brilliant. you know, was fantastic uh, Right, you've
0: talked about the Scottish Cup final Was there any chance of you getting fin- fit, fit for it?
1: The gaffer gave me every chance um, So the boys went down to England And uh, they were obviously doing their preparing And would say to me, look, if you're fit, you'll play so he left me up here, I was getting treatment basically 24-7. Um, and then on the Thursday, the boys came back up the road and he says, right, I'll get you a fitness test Thursday. If you pass it, you're playing. On the Wednesday night, I knew. I, I, I knew, I'd ran on the Wednesday and my knee was struggling. and I could have you know, said, I'm all right, played for five minutes, came off and I'm like, nah, you've got to put the team first. I was always like that, even though I was the captain, the team comes first. So on the Thursday, I went in and I said, listen... There's no there's no point in me even trying, my knee's killing me, it's still all swollen. Um all I want is the team to win the cup. I said, I couldn't care less about myself. It's, it was difficult because I'd missed the League Cup final with my knee, I was missing this cup final with my knee. Um and I and i obviously i came back and I'd played all the early rounds in this competition, so I'd played my partner like I'm no fit. So I got my head round that, but at night, I'm not going to lie to yeah, you, I went home the Thursday night, you know, and I sat in my house myself, and kind I was dead emotional. I was sort of crying, kind of like, Can it's happened to me again, I'm going to miss another final. Ken, when am I ever going to get a, a wee break here? But I thought, next game day, you're still the captain, the boys were all like, you know, you're club captain, we, we need you here. And I'd done my usual, I just went about it like I was playing, you know, I was encouraging everybody, I was in the dressing room before the game, uh, trying to lift everybody's spirits and that, and then Obviously the boys went and went and done the business and for me first and foremost as a fan, I'd seen Hearts lift their cup and it was probably the the best day, best day ever. Was it nerve-wracking watching it, Fair Oh, phew, Horrific. The last ten minutes, and any Hearts fan, I'll tell you the same, the last ten minutes felt like five hours. And you know, well, obviously I think it was Koisty's went down where Big Davies Tackle made you the box and you're thinking, oh no, he has got to get a penalty here or got to blow it again. He hit, gave a free kick outside the box. And luckily for us that day, Alberts was suspended because they got about 10, 11 free kicks for about 30 yards out. That Alberts was deadly. You know, he would mm-hmm. score. Whereas Amaruso was, was booting the ball into fucking Rose he was booting it into like fucking Bishopton and all that. You know, yeah. it was like, thank God he was hitting the free kicks. And then obviously when, when he blew the final whistle, it went for like the best feeling ever. Then I was in the tunnel area And all the boys Marcel, Katongo, Point, and McManus All the boys that were in the squad That hadn't played that day This guy I'll never forget his face It was with SFA And he's like You can't get on the pitch And I, I'm like Aye, very good mate Get out of the road He's like You're not getting on the pitch Because if, if we let you out on the pitch You could incite a riot And I'm sitting going Mate, I've waited my whole life for this You get out my road So i kind of grabbed him Just as I've grabbed him The gaffers came in did a television interview and he's like what's the problem I says Can I'm not going to repeat what I said but I says joker's not letting us on the pitch I says all we want to do is get out on the pitch and see the boys and Jim and Gaffer and Chris Robinson to be fair came in and went if he didn't get on the pitch there'll no be a presentation of the trophy you let them on the park they're kind of every bit as much part of this squad as the boys that have played today so we so on the park and it was unbelievable like I'll never forget it. the fans were all gone mental Did you see your dad there?" My twin brother was on the pitch before me. He had the white hair strip, maroon shorts... <laughs> Cannot not be you? What he had done is, when the final whistle went, because he had the strip that we were wearing, he's dived on the park. So he's grabbed Big big Davey, Paul Ritchie, because it was obviously he knew them all because we socialised and all that. He's jumping about with him, and then eventually, I think one of the boys went, right, Kev, you better get back in the terrace or you're going to get lifted here. So he's jumped back into the heart, and I've went out. First, I've just seen all the boys. I was just, just so happy... And then I've seen like all my mates, my dad, my, all my family were in the, the Hearts end. And like they're all in tears. We were, we were all in tears because we were just so, yeah. it was just so emotional in that. And it's a day, as I say, it's a day that I was, I was lucky because I've won two trophies here in my time here. In 2012 was unbelievable. But that one was like magic because loads of generations of Hearts fans never ever thought they'd see us winning anything, myself included. And I thought back to, like, Dens Park, how I felt Would that you day. So,
0: that, so, see, at that time, I'm you going. actually thought back to... Oh, right, Like, right. As
1: soon as the final whistle went, I went like that. Remember how I was feeling at Dens. And I seen, like, my dad and my uncles and all my mates and all the boys about on the bus. They're all, like, grown men in tears. And I'm like... I n- I'll never forget how bad I felt that day because it was the lowest day I've ever had. And then to see everybody, the same people... So crying happy. again but it was sort of obviously tears of joy it was like it was so surreal it was incredible and then because you played in previous rounds you and Stevie Fulton lift the cup would ah, that be the most special moment of your career it was unbelievable uh, and I wasn't expecting it but he must look great next to Stevie Fulton ah, was lifting I was, that I was looking <laughs> well The I mean, suit was horrific and the, I get hammered for the hairstyle but if it was good enough for Beckham it was good enough for me you know what I mean uh, and you know the is you're lifting the cup, you're our captain, you're the club captain, you're the one that's led us all season, we want you to lift the cup and to be fair, Tom Cowan hammers me because like you you done it before John Terry done it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't want it to be like that because Footers was the captain that day and Footers had been brilliant that season and he'd say, look, you're lifting the cup, I was the captain on the day but you're lifting the cup I want you to lift the cup because you're my captain type thing and you know, I'll never forget that to this day, that, that was how much it meant to me but the boys were brilliant yeah, because at the end of the day they were the boys that won the cup. You know, I, I obviously I was played in the early rounds and that, and I was part of the squad. But I genuinely didn't believe I deserved a medal that day because I didn't play. But to lift the cup and see so many happy faces, and obviously for the Gaffer and Billy as well, because we'd been beat in the previous two finals and Big Jules as well. You know, I had the a wee, I had a wee five minutes with Jules after that final because I'd had a nightmare in '96 and Big Jules had a bad day that day as well. This was complete reverse because he was outstanding that day. He was man of the match, and just to see him—and he, he was a lovely big lad, unbelievable uh, teammate—and to see him so happy for what he had achieved that day was was something that, can, even talking about it now, it still makes me like well up a wee uh-huh. bit because the big man was honestly the nicest guy in the world, and he deserved that final so much because of what he had went through in '96. Celebrations after it. Where was it back to here? It was incredible. The problem we had that day was, obviously, we're, we're in the dressing room, straight on the, the beer, champagne everywhere. None of us had obviously had anything to eat since the pre-match meal. Then Fulty and Big Jules got picked to go and do a drug test. So whilst they're doing that, we're obviously in the dressing room, we're on the drink, gets on the team bus, and we must have sat in the team bus for two hours, waiting Better on, on, on Fulte in the toilet. So by the time he came on the bus, <laughs> we're all <Steven>. miraculous <laughs> like, and it's probably my biggest regret because when we came back here I'd, we, we kind of we didn't know what to expect and I think a lot of Hearts fans were saying like, what, what do you do now we're that used to going to finals and getting beat we go and get a few beers and go home Like, what do we do now so we go to like Site Hill and then the fire brigade there's a fire station just as you come into uh-huh. Site Hill all these Hearts fans are on top of the the the, the uh, fire uh, engines fire engines eh? And they've got the heart scarves and that, and they're all jumping about. So we're like, fucking, what's happening here? And the closer we, we got to, like, Cheshire, the more people were kind of coming onto the streets and that. And then we got to Cheshire, and um, to this day I'm amazed that, neighbor, that nobody got injured or, or no, nobody ended up under the bus. Because you had fans jumping out for everywhere. I think you can see some of the footage on, like, Neil and he did a homemade video at the time. And there was punters just jumping out for pubs, they were jumping out for the street, they were jumping in front of the bus, and it took, must have took us about two hours just to get along Gorgie Road, and by the time we got just round this bend here, it was carnage, then it was, it was the, the driver couldn't see because of the champagne on the windows <laughs> of the bus, like, all the boys were on the roof of the bus, how none of them fell off, I'll never know, and then when we got here, Hazel Irvin was trying to interview us, and it's the most embarrassing interview I've ever done, I couldn't <laughs> chew my fingernails, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that. F'ing and blinding and all that And then photos is like Oh I just read a book on the way back And all that <laughs> We're off, uh-huh. And then we got sent into the Gorgie suite Miraculous All night Brilliant Ended up in Robo's pub And then I woke up John Robertson woke, got a pub close to you He had Robertson's bar It's shut now right. He had a pub We ended up in there And then I ended up uh, I woke up on the carpet of his house As a normally did <laughs> I can't remember uh, after suit that, still then? on And I'm like I have to be at tin Castle for like half ten so I had to get a taxi back to Bonner. I got my tracksuit back in here, still melted. Gets on the bus here and then we had a reception at the City Chambers and all that. And then the Sunday was even better. What was the Sunday? we had the parade through bus. Edinburgh. So you're talking, without any exaggeration here, 250,000 Hearts fans for the City Chambers all the way along Prince's Street all the way to here. Then we went on the pitch and never seen anything like it. And to be fair to the gaffer, he had said to us, if you's won a trophy here, lads... You will not believe the response you'll get from the fans, and uh, it was. What it did was, the foreign you know, boy? They, could they not believe it? They couldn't believe it. I was like, I remember phoning my mate as well on the Sunday morning. I was like, "How are you?" And he's like, "I slept on the pitch." So <laughs> and my mate we Ferdy, they <laughs> broke in. with a carry out slept on the 18-yard box. No way. And now I've come in on the Sunday. And they're and still they're lying here. Now. And I'm like, that's legendary, that. never I even thought of that. I went back to Robos and said, well, I would have probably joined you. So <laughs> it was just unbelievable. See the things that people did? Mm-hmm. And I, I generally have like, half should bring out a book with the fans and their stories eh, after that final about what they did and how they got here and where they came from and all that. Because some of the stories I've heard over the years are incredible. What would uh, Jet and, uh, and Billy have done? Well, they, he stayed in one of the hotels up the town. Because he tells a story, I you know that the gaffer in the morning and he went to so he was rough as anything so he's waiting to try and get some paracetamol He says he's walked along Princess Street he says this hearts fine he says you see he'd obviously slept there eh? he just looked up at him and went see that Jim Jeffries is a god and went back to sleep <laughs> and he says I go by him and the boys kind of woke up and went and that's him <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean but it was just it was incre- It was an incredible couple of days uh-huh, yeah, would that have been the best weekend of your career aye, aye without a shadow of doubt um, and then Magaluf on the Monday was it Magaluf on the Tuesday so basically I went out the Saturday we were out Sunday as you do joined the Monday Club in Bonarig and then the Tuesday I knew we we were going to Magaluf anyway and and to be fair I suffered for it when I came back and some of the dreams I had of that when I came (laughs) back horrendous but it was uh, it was a couple of days that I dreamt about all my life as I say to you although I was captain of the club at the time I was a fan and it was the first time I'd ever seen Hearts winning anything so you just went What a week! What a week. Uh, talking about games,
0: Edinburgh Derby. Yeah, what, what's the one f- that stands out for you? What's your favourite?
1: Probably the first one I played in. I, I played, a I played what fourteen derbies, thirteen or fourteen derbies, and I was lucky that I didn't lose any. So that was that was a thing that now that I'm retired, I can look back at that with immense pride. But uh, I would played one where I set up the goal and got brought down for the penalty. But the, the, my first derby was probably the most memorable because. I had a nightmare eh I was trying to kick everything apart from the ball <laughs> and uh, I didn't play well at all but I got the ball we're about 20 minutes to go and I've played a, a decent ball into the box and Alan Johnston had brought it down and wrapped it in and probably three months before that I used to stand in the shed all the time so it was like the corner at Hearts where all the <coughs> all the, the donuts is, of yeah. the day used to stand <laughs> so we've ran over to that and then as I say I see wee joke I see McQuinny I see yeah, my well. dad they're <laughs> on the fence so I've jumped on the fence like yeah get in there so I'm standing there and I'm like, five minutes later, I'm like, you better let me go because I better get back to the halfway line because we we're about to start the game. But just running over there and seeing all the boys that I obviously stood with every week, they're on the fence as I'm running towards them on the pitch. And it was a brilliant, Surreal, huh? the, like the place was gone berserk and we won the game 1-0. Uh, so that was my favourite derby simply because or not, the old shed was still there. So it was all, all the maniacs gone daft and you're running over having set up the goal as well. Uh, and to beat them 1-0, it was, it was brilliant. Were there any games you'd always
0: look forward to in the season?
1: I, I mean, I looked forward to every game, because I've seen it as a massive honour every game I played. To play? To play with hearts. Um, it was a massive thing for me. But the derbies were obviously special. And, kind of, the 90 minutes, it's pure, like, we need to beat them, and it's hatred, and you say things on the pitch that you would never dream of saying. But over the years, you know, I've got to meet, like, say, Mickey Weir, Paul Kane, Keith Wright. Like myself, they were massive hibs, Men, Marcel, Crabo, Gary Mackay, we were massive jambos and the great lads. You no, know, they they were doing the same as me. They were living the dream with Hibs, mm-hmm. and I was living the dream with Hearts. And you know, there was enormous respect there, and probably more so now that I'm finished my career, because obviously during the 90 minutes it's like you know, I talk to them, I did not like them, blah blah blah. But they were just doing the same as what we were doing. And, and over the years, you know, I've got to meet a lot of you know H- Hibs supporters, Hibs ex-Hibs players, and that who are you know great great people. And, alright, there is a lot that didn't like you, but they didn't know you, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's important, you know, you see the rivalry with some, some clubs and it's, they take it to an extreme. There's a big rivalry, rivalry with us and name, but there's huge respect for, for each other as well. But you still enjoyed kicking shit I them? Aye, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: right, you said you were loving a dream, a dream comes to an end. When Jim Jeffries went to Bradford, did you know that he'd, he'd try and take you?
1: No, really, I was here, obviously Craig was the manager here and I knew he was going to make changes eh, and I knew I wasn't going to be part of the plan. Why did he pull you in and tell you? never really told me as much but my contract was coming to an end and you know I'd been here just, just short of 10 years eh, and I was disappointed because obviously 10 years you get a testimony and all that type of stuff so I was just short of that but to get the opportunity to play in the English Premiership eh, was An opportunity that I couldn't have turned down. And, and Bradford was struggling at the time. Uh, they were well adrift near the bottom, but when, when the gaffer went down there, he phoned me and said, Would you be keen to come? And I had a, a couple of other clubs that were, were interested in me at the time in England, but I thought, you know, it's time for a change. I, I'm getting a bit stale here. I'd had a couple of injury problems. I wasn't playing, you know, I was always a central midfielder. That's what a lot of people thought, He's a right back, He's a right back. I played right back because our midfield was that strong. Cameron and Fulham Cameron and, the, uh, and Salvatore um, and when Salvatore was not fit I played in there and I loved it but I knew that it didn't matter how well I played in the Adelaide pitch I was always going to get shifted shift. back to right back <laughs> um, so I was a wee bit disappointed but when I went to Bradford I played there you know, I played centre mid I went to Kelly I played centre mid and probably at Bradford was as good, good a spell as I had for, uh, for the initial sort of two or three seasons uh, and I, I loved it And it was brilliant Did you think you should have played centre midfield more yeah? Aye, aye, because that was my position. Would you yeah. say that to the manager? Oh, aye, I'd say, say that once my career was finished. I would, <laughs> I'd maybe say that to him on the odd occasion where I'd be in discussing the bonuses and that. But I knew as well, you know, I wasn't was stupid. Like The three midfielders that we had were, were different class. And I knew that I would play there if, if Salvatore wasn't playing. Mm. But the balance that we had in there with the three midfielders was was exceptional. So I knew... I was not the type to say, right, you know what, I'm going to take the hump here and moan that I'm not playing centre midfield and end up on the bench. I was happy to play because it was such a good team. Yeah. So if it meant playing right back, you know, I had to play there.
0: And what was it like leaving here? Obviously, your boyhood ah, club, do you remember the day you actually ah, I was,
1: ah, was gutted. Um, and probably, as stupid as it sounds, you didn't realise how big a club hearts are until you leave. You know, I've, obviously I've been brought up, died in the wool jambo, followed the club all my life, but you didn't really look at the club in terms of the size, because you're such a big fan. But when you go and play with other clubs, or you see other clubs, you then realise just how big a club Hearts, it, hearts is. Uh, and then I went to Bradford, a great, great time there. Um, you know, played the Premiership, playing against like Liverpool, Newcastle, Man United, and that. You're like, pff, dream come true, this. And then, although we went to the Championship, there was loads of great teams in the Championship as well, which I brilliant. Great league and I loved it. And I probably should have done it two, three years earlier. Because it did, it gave me a new lease of life. You're playing against different players. You're not playing against the same team all the time, and the banter was brilliant. in there being a Scotsman like the wee kit man Jacko, first day, man, he's like, "Morning, Jock," you know, I and mean, like, "Morning, away, Jock, hey, how hey. are you?" And we took me and him used to hammer each other. I was like, I, "English football, it's shite, and all that." He <laughs> like "Scottish games, garbage." And I'm like, okay. "So the banter was brilliant." And so one day, I thought I'd get the better of him most of the time. I goes in and he's like, "Right, Jock," he says come and explain this to me and because we split into two sixes right, you've got Motherwell sitting in sixth place with like yeah. 35 points and then I think it was like maybe we were below them they've got like They're 45 <laughs> points right. explain that to me I said you know what Jacko you've done me <laughs> so that right. was me sort of moved shut never say the word after yeah. that but it was a brilliant brilliant club is it daunting
0: going to a new dressing room though, when you've been so comfortable you've only been one dressing room for so many years and you're ah, going to a it new be,
1: dressing it was, room. it was daunting as much you know what it's like you go to a new club I was quite bubbly in the dressing room. I loved a laugh and a joke that. and that. Uh, you go to a new club, you're like, the first week, just get in, keep the head down. I'll no upset anyone in that. So that's what I did. And you're going into a dressing room with boys like Lee Sharp, Benny Carbone, Stan Colomar, wow. Robbie Blake. Uh, big, big names. Gary Walsh, you go I'd uh, been at Man United. And uh, you know, I went in there thinking, big, big names here, Peter Beagrey and that. They are trained Begrey, with him for a couple life, of days. Uh-huh. you train with him for a couple of days and then you think all right, they're, they're good players, but they're, can, I, I've played against every bit as good players up in, up in Scotland, you know, with Gaza and Loudrop who are better than some of these lads. Mm. Um, I went in there and, and felt quite at home pretty much straight away. But the boys were great. You know, they really made you feel at home. And we had a big goalie there, Aidan Davidson, who was, I mean, I'd met some maniacs in my time. With what he did? What He did? was <laughs> crazy. Just, just mad. I mean, we signed a lad, Klaus Jorgensen, and like what I'm saying to you here, you go to a new club, you know yourself, you kind of just get you the feelers can. out the first couple of days. We went to Catterick for an army camp, right? And uh, we're standing there and Klaus had just signed the day before. So that night he'd accused Andy Myers, Jamie Lawrence and that, he'd taken his toiletries and all that. And, was, and you're sitting there going, who's this boy? Uh-huh. So, so about three o'clock in the morning, right? There was like a big dormitory with all the team in it. And then you had, like, a wee room off the, off the side of it, so there's about six or seven years in this wee room, and all the other boys are in the big dorm. So I just get this slap on the head, and I'm like, Sat. and I'm no joking, I just about shit myself, eh? <laughs> this twat's got the tights. Okay, now you're robbing a bag. Where is he, right? He's like, shut up, and get up. So he's got six pairs of these tights, right, so we've all stuck to the one. He's like, that Klaus, I'm no having that. You can't come to a new club <laughs> and I, be I, as chirpy as that, right? <laughs> So, little known to us, we're in Catterick, the army camp. He'd go to let, he'd ask the sergeant, who's a Scots lad, brilliant, for the, you know, the bombs that they use when they're practicing and that. So, he basically throw the bomb, it makes like the noise biggest that, noise that. in the world, and then all the smoke comes with. So, he's got two of them. So, this is like three in the morning. He's launched this into the dorm, right? we were with the tights, grabbed Klaus, he's getting it. He's grabbed him, but they're and, and, and watching Klaus's face. I've never seen this <laughs> oh, in my life. And he'd be like, "That will teach him. He didn't come to a new club and be as chirpy as that. We were sitting there. I was double, Amazing. double. But as he was, but what a laugh! And it was a, a, again, it was another good dressing room. But some of the things he did in that army camp, you like, you had to see it. Richard must have a few stories, eh? Oh, millions, millions. He was. I mean, even when we went to Carrick and that, all the, well, the females that were in the army, they were all like, "Can get That's your autograph part. and all that." And what a career he had, had. So for me, you know, to play alongside boys like... Boys like him and and Benny, you know, it was it was fantastic, and it brought it brings you on as a player because the, the better players you're playing with, the better you become, and uh, you know it was brilliant playing didn't Uh Just on the Premier League, who, who was the best you played against? Up against the midfield? Uh, We've played Newcastle. Obviously, that's that's my English team. i, I, I like you know watching the Geordies and you know, I pray They win something one day, but their midfield that day was like Batty, Gary, Speed, you know, Shearer up front. Brilliant. We went 2 0 up against them and then you know, Shearer got one just turned and hit it for anywhere, top bin, then we drew two each. But just playing against these boys was brilliant because you had to be quicker. I felt down there you you, you did get a wee bit more time on the ball, but if you made a bad pass or you made the wrong decision, you got punished, punished and ever, yeah. they would they would score. Uh, but they had they had a great team at, at, at that time. Uh, was that the year they
0: got Champions League with Bobby Robson, is it? Um I think bit,
1: I think uh, they were they were up the top, yeah. up the top and then Leeds. Leeds had Ferdinand Boyer,
0: Harry Venduka, Kiel.
1: Harry Kuhl, um, so that, that I mean they they were exceptional as well. Uh, so to play against these boys was was brilliant. Was really. it just too much for too much work today for Bradford? Aye, we, we were, as I say, by the time I had signed there, we were, we were adrift, um, and then we ended up going down to the championship. But just, just that sort of six seven months, Of playing against these teams and, and you're going to Anfield, you've got your Goodison, Twyhat Lane, it was it was, it was unbelievable. Uh, why did Jim leave? I think they hit, we hit financial problems at Bradford, you know. Um, they kind of followed me about in my career, to be fair. Your wages, mate. A jinx, aye. <laughs> so, we uh, were in administration. They spent money that, that they shouldn't have been spending. Uh, boy, Geoffrey Richmond there was, a, let's say, a, a rather flamboyant character. And, you know, he was spending much. I mean, we had players at Bradford that were probably on more than what, like, say, Gary Neville and schools and that were getting at Man United. Really? Which... At that time, it was ridiculous when you see what they achieved. Um, but we, we just spent crazy money and then obviously it took its toll. club went into administration and then we had a season in the Championship. We started brilliant. We were up the top, had a great side and then obviously Berry had to leave. Windass left, Petrescu and all that moved on so it was like we then became obviously a, a lot weaker. And We finished for mid-table that season which was which was alright. I thoroughly enjoyed my time didn't I?
0: See when Jeffreys left? Were you kind of thinking, I want to get away here?
1: No, no, I'd, I'd genuinely seen my future in England. Because um, the the gaffer left, um, then he came back up the road. But obviously I, I was really enjoying my football at Bradford, I loved it. I loved playing at different places, playing against different players. And I was probably playing as well as what, what I'd played for you know, a number you of years. Uh, you know, did, did pretty well, I thought, down there. And then we went and uh, we got to the summer. And basically, the PFA down there were brilliant. Uh, we got a phone call saying that you have all been sacked, everybody's sacked. That's you, and you are sitting. Can I just arrived on my holidays? And I am like, can hell, No going to get any wages or that. And then Mick Maguire for the PFA's phoned us about five minutes later, just report back. First day of pre-season, everything will be fine. They can't sack you, blah blah blah. So they were brilliant. But we went through that summer. We, we didn't really get, you know, our wages that we were supposed to get. The PFA gave us. Some money just to to make up for not getting paid. paid uh-huh. So it went on for like five, six months, and then when the gaffer phoned me to come back up the road, I'll be honest with you, it, it wasn't my first choice. But at the time, it was it was close season, and you know what it's like. Clubs didn't really go and sign loads of players close season because they're not really what to pay you for doing nothing, nothing during the uh-huh. close season. And I just felt it was a bit of stability, you know. I was. Uh, I was at a stage where I, I wasn't getting paid for like six, seven months. I'm like, I need to get something sorted. And then, you know, the appeal purely working with him and Billy again, obviously, in, in Kilmarnock. When I went up to meet the directors there, you know, Bill Cosley and that, they were they were fantastic. And I, I got a really good feeling when I went up there, you know, it was, obviously I played against Kilmarnock, but they had just built a new hotel. They had aspirations to build a training ground. The, the pitch was, you know, fantastic at the time. Great stadium, great fan base. I thought, you know what? Uh, three year contract, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll go back up the road and, and play up there again. And you enjoy your time, Loved it, loved it. Great club, No I wouldn't say a bad word about uh, anybody at Kelly uh, Really, really enjoyed it. It was difficult, didn't you get me wrong, when I became sort of assistant manager there and, and manager. There was a, one or two things that you can't really influence there, uh, which I felt I might have been able to, but I couldn't. Uh, but, you know, I was, I was guided the way it. It finished as, as the manager there, but in terms of my playing career there, loved every minute. See, when you were at Cormac
0: playing, was it always kind of in the back of your mind that you wanted to go into coaching? Is that when you started I think to when I of got to 30,
1: 32, 33, I was starting to have a few problems with the knee, which had obviously caused me problems throughout my career. Um, and the manager had says, Look, like, you need to start thinking. And I, even me myself, I was like, I need to start thinking about life after football. And because i you know, I'd done football like most boys will say, to you, they've done it all their life. You'll be the same. You know, you played it at school. You went right into it for school, uh, and you know, I had standard grades at school, but I wasn't Einstein by any manner I mean, So um, I looked at it and I thought, right, I need to, I need to focus on something. So I started to do my coaching badges with the SFA, and you know, brilliant. I was glad I did it when I did because I was still playing but I was doing my coaching badges at the same time. So I'd done the B licence at Murray Park and it was just like players, players only, which was great. Done that, done the A licence and then towards the end of my career, four surgeons kind of says to me, listen, your knees, goose, bone on bone, keep playing, you're going to end up in a wheelchair. If you if you stop playing now, you've got a chance of a better life when you stop. So when they say that to you, decision's made. Sad that was day when you retire? It's so? a horrible day, horrible day. Did you, Every bit as horrible as that day at Den's Park Because obviously you're, I was watching games and think I can still play here But obviously the knee wasn't What games was bit. that,
0: under 13 games? Nah, under 13,
1: <laughs> under 11 <11's. laughs> <laughs> uh, So you're watching games and thinking you know, I could still do a job for the boys But at the same time, I'd play a game I'd get the fluid taken out my knee On the Monday morning, I couldn't walk on the Sunday I was taking, honestly These tablets called Zydals If you, if you get on them Oh the the business. Yeah. could yeah. you feel my face in the warm-up? <laughs> couldn't you feel my days? I'd genuinely go and play the game. Everything was great. Then a Sunday morning, my God, see when the tablets had wore off, I, I genuinely couldn't walk. Really, right? And I got to the stage where I genuinely wasn't enjoying it anymore. It was, it was just horrible waking up every Sunday morning in constant pain. Couldn't get down the stairs. I'm like, no, what? Well, that's it. It's time, to, it's time to wrap it. And then we're going to the coaching side for about five minutes. And then... I got told, I hey, you're joining the backroom staff at Killey. there's a contract there for you, you're going to become first-team coach. So I went over to Italy with them pre-season, came back, no na- na- deal. Cos so of money? Was, well, that was the excuse I got. I mean, there was a lot of things happened that I, I wouldn't really want to go into, but I was I was disappointed with the way things worked out there. Fe- Just fe, um it was Michael Johnson, he was the chairman at the time, I mean, made a couple of promises that, that weren't fulfilled. And, you know, after that, as I say, I, I wouldn't say a bad word about anybody that came out because it was a fantastic club, but there was always a problem there with the fans, especially because it was like they didn't have any trust. And, Mike. obviously, I can just speak from my own personal experience, you know, when somebody says something to you, especially in football, you take them to their word. word and that, obviously, never got fulfilled. They say they didn't have the money. So I'm like, well, that's football. You know what I mean? There is no point crying about it there's the next chapter of my life I need to move on and then your old
0: dad phoned you to take the, for the first I team was, job at I, was oh, I was it to
1: hear I him well I spoke to him anyway because obviously he's somebody him and Billy I've always kept in touch with him uh, and that kind of say that squad well, well I do keep in touch but when I'd seen that he was getting the job here obviously I was delighted but I'm like okay, what's he letting me sell in for here because uh-huh. I was watching Hearts at the time and he uh, we are going through managers every three four weeks and uh, he went back and he phoned me and he says right got to bring you back to Hearts, first team coach. Brilliant, unbelievable. Went back home. Came in and uh, he, he met him for something to eat, actually, and he says, you do realise this is a different club for the club that you've left. And obviously I was well aware of everything that was going on and obviously there's a lot of things that you hear behind the scenes and that. And I said, no, no, I'm just buzzing to be getting back in. It's an opportunity to get back into coaching. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And he says, right, you're meeting Vladimir tomorrow. I says, says, alright, what am I getting? What wages am I getting? He's like, I've no got a clue. (laughs) I says, well, what will I ask for? He's like, I've no got a clue. (laughs) So I goes in and it was like five of them are sitting there and they just stared at me like that big Dolph kind of Rocky uh, in the Rocky movie, like uh, uh, how he stared at Rocky. (laughs) They're just staring at me and I could have said...
0: Did have the tights on? They never had the tights (laughs) on, I was
1: delighted about that. They're just sitting there and it was like, I could have told them the funniest joke in the world and I don't think any of their faces would have moved. And they're just staring, so I, like, I sit like this, and they're like, oh, there. Yeah. I'm thinking, right, like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm probably. You gonna, yourself a bit? Aye. Uh-huh. Aye. And I'm, like, I'm quite gaming that, eh? But I was like, that day I was genuinely shitting myself. And I'm like, are they going to ask me something here? Or are they expecting me to speak? Because I thought, okay, I'm going in here for a bit of an interview. And he just sort of stared at me for a bit. It felt like an hour. And he went, what do you want? And I'm like, and actually, I thought, he, he, he seemingly can't speak English, yeah. Like, what do you want? And I'm like, eh, well, what do you mean? Money. What do you want? And I'm like, well, I thought you were going to tell me that. And he went, eh, okay. And then there was another silence, and he went, right, go. So I've walked out, and the gaffer's sitting. He's like, how did you get on? Then I went, I, I didn't honestly know. <laughs> I said, I don't even know if I've got a deal. So a couple of days later, he's like, right, you're in. This is what you're getting. I was like, all right. How much was it? Oh, Thank <laughs> you Horrific! <I'm just> <laughs> horrific! <laughs> and, uh, my wee nephew gets me. Did a of paper room, and, and uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm just buzzing. I, I'd never had a job, so whatever I was getting, it was got to be more than what I was earning. I knew I had to get back into work. Uh, and obviously, you're, you, you've been there yourself. You're thinking, oh, what day I do? I've not really got that many qualifications. Oh, knows football. They're going to be a taxi driver. They're going maybe try and get a job somewhere else. Yeah, so the fact I knew I was coming back into football I was like absolutely over the moon, I'm coming back to Hearts. Yeah, but it was it was completely different to, to when I was here as a player. So what was your role then? Did you take training? I helped with the training. Aye, I yeah took the training with, with Billy. Put, they the they, at- put the markers out. Put <laughs> the markers out. I But that was a great thing because I didn't want to just come back and, you know, as you say, put cones out and sit and watch. Kind of, if I was coming in, I wanted to you know, take part. So, you know, I got to take sessions, I I got involved. And the great thing, it's probably the role that suited me the best because I I was kind of the link between the management team and the players. So I still got to have that bit of banter with the players, but at the same time, I had a, you know, as anybody that knows me, I'll I'll tell you, I've got a serious side to me when it comes to coaching and and managing. You know, I, I, I obviously like to think I've set high standards. So I had that side, but I also loved the the bit of banter with the boys in the dressing room, and it was, it was a great bunch of sort of younger lads that we inherited, I mean... Because they, they do talk greatly about you when uh, they speak on When I here. came back, honestly, we had 75 players or something, so the gaffer and Billy would go home at about 2 o'clock, but we still had another squad of 30 players that needed, needed coaching? coaching, so I would take them, and you know what it's like, they're coming in at 3 in the afternoon, know what to be there, but I just tried tried my best to lift the spirits, I tried the best to put on good training sessions for them. Uh, and then eventually we did manage to get the, the size of the squad done because it was it was becoming a problem. There was boys they couldn't get changed in the dressing room because we didn't have enough room. Uh, I and mean, there was boys there that you know, no being horrible but they weren't good enough to play them. with hearts so and we had to try and move them on. And unfortunately over the course of that season the gaffer done that. Is there any coaching badge in the world that can prepare you for a
0: player like Kevin Kell?
1: No, not one. Not one. For a, a, there's. The, Don't get me wrong. I done the pro licence with, with Jim Fleeton in the SFA, and I would recommend it to anyone. It's one of the best things that I did. The of people that you watch, the the, the the stuff you learn on it is unbelievable. Um, but it, there is certain things in it that you're never going to learn. Came with, with boys with, with problems away for football, uh, which again I'm not going to go into too much detail, but. You know, as a manager, you know, I, I was never a gambler. I, I, I didn't. Really, I put a bet on my Big Davey fixed odds years ago. That was it. We wasn't even that bothered about horse racing unless we had a wee team day out there. But you had boys coming in like gambling debts. They had mm. problems with their mental state and all that. Now I'm not qualified to deal with that, but you deal with it as best you can. Uh, and it doesn't matter what course you go on. With Big Kev. You know he had everything. <laughs> <laughs> he was a great lad. He uh-huh. liked his, he liked betting. He, uh, you know he he was influential in the dressing room. He would talk shite at times, but <laughs> then he would talk a lot of sense at uh-huh. times. So uh-huh. it was how you managed I've him. Heard, I've heard, It both was how you managed uh, him, and he was. I'll tell you what, he was a big, big player for us. Loved it here. Big yeah, player for loved us. It here, uh-huh. I genuinely believe that he had stayed fit. We could have, we could have sustained a, a right challenge that season because. We were up there. I think we took thirty-one points out of thirty-three or something, and then he got injured. And he was, you know, we had a lot of brilliant players. I mean, we had Scatchell, who was as good as any player I'd ever worked with. Really, Skatchel, right? Score for anywhere. So could have played oh, in the '98 team and stuff like that. Easy. He needed he, to be one player I took for the 2012 team into the '98 squad because he was—he had—he was different. He would get goals for midfield, but he could score for anywhere. And he, he was—he finished like Robbo. Well, it was all left, left foot, right, and that day use uses right now and again, but it was brilliant. And uh, but, but big Kev was the, the the focus up front, and he had a great partnership with Sleeve Stephen Elliott. Uh-huh.
0: It was him that recommended Stephen Elliott uh, to Jeff uh, that. was his mate at Sunderland. Uh,
1: Sunderland. But to be fair, when Sleeves came in, Sleeve was brilliant for us. He, uh, you could see that he had played at the top level. You know, the way he used his body, scored a, a lot of important goals for us. And the two of them had a, they already had an understanding because they'd obviously played together. Um, so they did brilliant for us and we had a really really good squad then uh,
0: you had a great first full season finishing third Aye.
1: and then Jim loses his job <laughs> is that quite bizarre uh, it was bizarre but you know no, uh, you anything, too anything uh, out of the norm here because we'd go into Europe and as I say we lost Kev that season if he had stayed fit we probably could have challenged um, and the gaffer had done a brilliant job here uh, but as uh, Vladimir did you know he
0: was that your only meeting with Vladimir, sir? Is that the only time you spoke to him? I or? met him
1: a few times. I met him a few. Th- I didn't see him very often because obviously he was never here. I think at the time I came back to the to the club, he was at the stage where I think he was kind of thinking about selling it or moving on. So he kind of lost the the interest they probably had at the at the early start of his time at Hearts. So we we didn't obviously face some of the problems like previous managers had faced, when trying to interfere with team selection and. Signings and all that to He did have a, a wee bit of a say, uh, which we tended not to try and listen to, you know, because we were like, we can't let him derail what we're trying to do here. And because we all knew and we all accepted kind of how he worked, we just got on with the job in hand, which was, was difficult at times, but in the main, you know, we had a great group of boys um, and we just tried to get on with the job. And Paolo Sergio comes in. Brilliant. Was he good, was oh, he? Oh, legend. Legend. <laughs> I so uh, big for him, isn't he? <laughs> Honestly. I learnt so much under Powell, and he's, he's, he has he's become like a big brother to me now. Right. You know, I speak to him all the time, and it was completely different to obviously the gaffer and Billy. Um, he was completely different. Everything was, the training was different. I mean, the first thing he did to cancel the Wednesdays off, which was the Norman Scottish football, as, as you know. He felt that was the most important day to train. Uh, a lot of the training sessions were. Organisation, walking through things. You came in in the morning, everything was written down on a bit of paper, so it was up in the dressing rooms. All the boys knew exactly what we were doing at training. They knew what coloury bib they were wearing. They knew where they were supposed to be, um, and you know, tactically and all that. He was he was outstanding. Were you a wee bit devastated that he stopped Wednesdays often? Obviously, I was got hit with on my Tuesday nights. <laughs> but he, he, he did, he liked a few beers in that pillow, so we, we certainly made up for that on a, on a Saturday. So were
0: you basically his only pal over here in Scotland? So no, he, to brought,
1: he brought his two assistants, eh, Cabral and Serge, who were great. But see, when they first came in, you know, they are the same, like, dead pan-faced and that. And I'm thinking, oh, oh no. is he going to, like, want me here for a start? Uh, so, first day, brilliant, I went in to meet him, I said, listen, welcome to hearts, listen uh. Gary Locke, I don't know if you, he says, I need you here. He says, I've not got a clue about Scottish football. He says, I didn't know the players, I didn't know the teams. He says, and my English is good. He says, but it's not great. I says, well, didn't you worry? I says, I'm on the same page <laughs> with you there. He says, but like, you know, you know all the players, you know the teams in Scotland, all the rest of it. He says, you're going to be, you know, basically one of my other assistants. He says, I'll lean on you heavily. And for day one, we really, really hit it off, you know. Got on brilliant melm, it was a great management team. And the problems that we faced that season really it brought us you know, a lot Close, closer yeah. together, especially off the pitch. Because you said the, the problems, obviously, the players weren't oh, getting
0: paid. How hard was that to it get was, boys honestly, for mate, training it games?
1: A, it was a nightmare. And it irks me now, because I hear a lot of Hearts fans and they say, Oh, Paulo, Sergio, he should have done better. And I'm like, oh, you name me anybody in the world that does a job and doesn't get paid for five, six months that would do it to the same magnitude as they would, they would do it if they were getting paid every week because we were coming in here and obviously I was the link as well between Paulo and the players I'd go into the dressing room and the place was the place was a shambles there was boys you know a lot of people say oh you, you get paid good money but we had boys here that were they were getting good wages but there weren't any there weren't any wages that could make you retire when you finish playing and no, they went five, six months, and then you get to Christmas, you get to, you know what it's like, you're buying presents for your kids, you're buying presents for your, your wife, your girlfriend, your mum and dad and that. Both wife and girlfriend, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not getting money coming in. And, you know, the boys were, got the six months where we didn't get paid anything. And eventually, you know, the boys are like, they're coming in, and they were, and they were brilliant. You know, I, I can't speak highly enough of that squad, because they were coming in, Ian Black went away painting, and, because we were in breach of contract, because we weren't paying the boys, we couldn't say, right, you're not doing that. He's like, I, I need money. He says, I, I, I've got to get money here. So he went painting for a week and then came in on the Friday, trained, played on the Saturday. And you're like, can credit them for you're doing play, that? Uh-huh. Because as he said, he says, I need money to pay. Because you know what it's like, you earn slightly more money, you've got a better car, you've got a higher mortgage, you, you maybe spend a wee bit more alright, all the boys had to rein it in in terms of what they were, they were spending, but it was genuinely, we didn't know as a management team, they're coming to us every day and you felt terrible because we couldn't, we couldn't give them any answers.
0: So how how do you keep, how do you keep it at the same level? How, what did you manage to do? We it, just tracked, like
1: there was days where we, we had a training session organised, it was maybe shaping up the team, all the stuff that you know that players do tend to find quite boring, boring. Uh-huh. but we're like, you know what, we can't do that today, we just have to go and have a a wee fun morning with five aside things like that, and just try and get the boys a wee bit, a wee bit more bubbly, a wee bit more lively, and it was difficult. I mean, it, I love a laugh and a joke. Even I found it difficult lifting the boys through that period of time, and it was credit to them. You know, we went out and we'd, all right, we finished. I think it was fifth that season, but it was a miracle that we won that cup. No doubt about that, because these boys went through so much of that season. Loads of different, different things happening that made it really really difficult for us as a backroom staff and the most important thing being that we couldn't give the players really any answers to what they wanted to know. you know answers to yeah. because they're saying to us when is he coming across don't know we could never ever get a hold of him and then when he did come across you know it was it was the biggest kick in the teeth ever because he would always speak to the players through an interpreter and we went on for a while and then the interpreter just went Vladimir will pay you when he feels like it. So it was like and then you had boys. Did you ever feel like banjoing them there? Oh. Uh-huh. Well, they be Then I knew I'd go home, my dad would be hanging from the garage, so <laughs> <you're kind of laughs> looking at that thinking <laughs> he's not a guy to be messed with. Uh-huh. Because obviously he is a high-profile guy in Lithuania. He's a big, big businessman, you don't know how things work over in the countries. And we, we didn't we genuinely didn't get answers to anything, so we were very much in limbo. For three quarters of that season And then uh, Going into the game against Hibs Now
0: Ryan McGowan said that Palo Serge would always Kind of like downplay these games yeah. And you'd be behind them like that oh, it was,
1: Obviously it was The build up to that Is something that I've never experienced In any Edinburgh derby Because Alright We beat them four times that season And even throughout my career You played against them and It was three points But this was This was a game that Whoever won it The other side of the city were never ever going to get to forget and in the build-up to it, I mean, it was incredible. I met wee Billy, who was obviously assistant manager at Hibs, and he wanted a couple of tickets for the Hearts End for a couple of his mates. So I went to see him, and everybody in the city was on edge that week. I went to meet him with the tickets, and this guy's come from anywhere. He said, what are you fucking doing? You better not be telling him our team. And I'm <laughs> God there. Hold on a minute, pal. I says, I'm just giving him a couple of tickets for our end. Is that all right? He says, know that I need to explain myself to you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, that's all right then, that's all right. But that's what everybody was like. And it was like, we stayed here. And I thought, at the time, I th- I, no, I never argued with Paulo, but I thought it was a bad idea. I thought we should have went away somewhere and got away for the euphoria of, you know, Edinburgh. The team had been realised realise how big it was, is that right? No, why? I think he knew how big it was because he had experienced the derbies. Obviously, I'd sat and t- told him totally. everything about the derbies and that. And he'd been involved with Benfica against Sporting Lisbon and Sporting Lisbon against Porto and that. So he knew... What the derby meant, but I just thought you no, know, Hibs had went away to Ireland. I think it was Pat and Billy had took them away to Ireland and got them away out the road, and I thought that would have been a good idea. But basically, Powell says, "No, no, I want them to sleep in their own beds. I want them to be relaxed. We'll train here because you know what it's like. You play Hibs, there's always somebody who will watch your watch training you. session, or they'll have somebody try to watch us, and that was a good thing about us. I can't name my sources, but we we had a great idea of their team on the Monday right. before we played them, so we kind of. We knew, we had a rough idea how they were shaping up. So you were setting up,
0: up all week against we that We were setting up
1: all, all week against what we thought, what we'd been told that they were going to do. And, uh, Who told you that?
0: Big Gazel Connor?
1: I can't, I can't <laughs> 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 uh, So, we, we worked on things that probably influenced our decision to play Suzo instead of Temps that day because we knew that they were playing a diamond, they were going to be narrow, and we knew if we had two wide men getting at their full backs, uh, that we could cause them a problem, especially with Gauzer getting forward one side, Danny on the other. Um, so we had worked on num- num- numerous things and Paolo used to let me crack on with the set pieces, so I was glad that we scored through one of them. Gauzer got his usual two-yard tapping in the final, uh, in a derby rather. Uh, so it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It.
0: See, before a game like that, would Paolo Sergio speak and then would you speak uh, after
1: uh, it? Uh, so he would have so the tone down version. His team talk was, of like lads, play the, play the game, then he play the occasion. You know, it's It's another derby. But you've got, you know, we need 11 players on the pitch. or the usual, when I'm like, I, I totally agree with you, Gaffer, 100%. And he would be like, right, lucky. Okay, I'm like, right. Uh, honestly, I honestly agree with everything the Gaffer's saying, but I'm telling you, this will be a war. You better fucking win your battle. You better win yours. You need to get wired in. Be sensible, but get make sure they know they're in a game. Because it's a derby. You've got to win the war first before you win the game. And uh, obviously, I'm hyped up as well, because being a jammer, we can't lads we cannot get beat today if there's one game we cannot cannot lose in my whole lifetime this is the one and because they,
0: they had to win the Scottish Cup for so long as it.
1: And, and that's it and in the build up to the game you know that's that's what you were know, obviously I, I know a, a, a lot of Hibs fans in, in the Edinburgh and they're saying you know we've not won it for this amount of time since 1902 the first time we're going to win it, it's got to be against Hearts it's written on the Stars and all this type of stuff, and I'm like, and I'm at the back of my mind. And I'm going right, am I going to Turkey on my holidays or am I going to Siberia? You know, what I mean, it's like <laughs> it was that bad. Uh-huh. Uh, and luckily for us, you know, on the day, everything, everything came to fruition. Uh-huh. Where does that rank in your career? Oh, that's up there. That's up there because can you enjoy it as much as a coach? I enjoyed that, enjoyed that probably no more than 98. I enjoyed it in terms of I felt that I'd contributed my. Uh, because I'd played a huge part in the set-pieces that season, tactically that season, you know, Paulo would say, what do you think of this? Obviously, I'd found out the Hibs team, so we had worked on name-playing a diamond, and we, you know, worked really closely with the backroom staff, so we all played, you know, Sergio and Cabral, keeping the boys' spirits up as keep well. Keeping the boys' yeah, spirits up, but Sergio Cabral, enormous credit as well, because, you know, we, all, we were a really close-knit backroom staff, but we all felt, and I, me personally, I felt I'd played a, a bigger part in that final, because I never played in 98. In that one, you know, I had a big influence on a lot that w- we did that day, and I had a big influence on the boys as well in the dressing room. So it was uh, it was unbelievable satisfaction. In the celebration after it, a couple of the Hearts boys oh. tempo
0: and uh, oh, man. big McGowan told us that you were sneaking beers uh, on the. B- and then back to
1: Woodburn was it? But what I'd, what I'd say is, if we win this the day, I know it's Hibs, but I'm going to make sure that. I... I savour this one because obviously i got myself that Stay miraculous in the 98, couldn't remember much. 2006, you know, I was a fan against Gretna, so it was the same way with the boys that day on the supporters bus, had a, you know, a fair bit to drink. So this one, I was like, hey, I've played my part here, I'm going to enjoy it, so we obviously we didn't have to wait that long after the game, we come back to Gorgia, and it, it was different because they were more organised because we had won it a couple of times, the barriers and that were up. and. Uh, I'd, i just had two Coronas on the bus, sat with Rudy on the way back. Go back to Gorgate, it was the same, fans were all gone mental. We had a great night here at night time. Uh, but I enjoyed it, Ken, I wasn't wasn't drunk or anything. I just yeah. enjoyed it. And uh, Paul was like, he liked a beer. And he's like, what's, what's going to happen tomorrow? And so I was telling him, listen, we'll get here, we'll do the City Chambers and that, you'll love it. This will be the best day of your life. So he gets to the City Chambers and he's like, right lads, you no, know, take it easy here. You just can go and do whatever you want later on, but you know, we're going to see the Lord Provost, be respectful on that. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute, we're going down here for a drinks reception. So the boys are, you know, they're merely entitled to have a beer, having just beat Hibs five yeah. one. So we get there and Paolo's had a couple of sensible beers, Gowser and that are all having a beer, and then he's taking it off them and basically saying, Right, just calm down. Then now, wait till we get back to Tincastle. Eh? I'm at not worry about it, lads. Like, Lord Provost, a couple of crates, eh? I'm feeding all the drink it <laughs> to everybody. They had a great time in there and then obviously the open deck bus, that was unbelievable. Just Again, as good as '98. Just as good, aye. It's uh, even, even oh, no, I speak to the lads here now. I'm saying, can you win a trophy, lads. You, you will not believe how good it is. You know the 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 way that you'll get treated after it, because I've seen it myself. You know we had a reunion with the '98 squad just for six, six months ago, and. Even Jills in that scene, I can't believe we still get held in such high regard when we come back here. I says that's because you're you're, you're heroes to the fans here. Says, you're, you're heroes, of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and that was one of the funny things. Like, you know, after I made my debut, getting gone off track a bit here, I played about maybe 30 games. And my mum came in, she's like, do you not think you should start taking the posters of Robbo and Gary McKay now? She's getting rid of the Hearts bed covers and that. Because you're actually playing in the same team as them. <laughs> And I'm like, ah, I'm right, are all right? So I still style on at time. Posters, the hearts, everywhere. Brilliant. Love hearing stuff so uh, it. It was massive. And, and that's, that was the one thing in 2012. The players, even when they come back now, they get treated unbelievably heroes. well. And everybody treats them like heroes, which they are.
0: How did you end up taking Ryan McGowan in that back oh, to it was it, it was it Bonnie Rigg? You took him
1: out? Well, my mate that I was speaking about earlier, Gary McQuinney, uh, so as I say, me, him, and me, Joke, have been tight for years. 14, 13, 14 All our lives Up to any good And all that So Gary had phoned me On the Friday night He says right Listen I'm going to organise He says I'm hoping not to tempt fate here He says but Woodburn Miners Club He says it's massive He says Born Grows' the Groses Social Club That's not big enough He says I'm going to organise A party for the Sunday night If we do the business Can you come And try and bring Paolo and maybe A couple of players with you So I'm like Nah Didn't he bother Doing anything stupid like that That's just tempting fate That will end up Four in our faces." so Anyway, he goes and organises everything. Right? So on the Sunday, I'm like, right, lad, you need to come with me tonight. Says this has got to be unbelievable. This. So Gouser and Danny Granger, they had went, they were doing their own thing. So I phoned them. I arrived at me, me Gary and that early. And the place was heaving. Absolutely, you're talking five, six hundred hearts fans in this hall, disco, and every place was bouncing. So they turned up. So i went outside. This is like you're not going to believe this. By the way, this is incredible. You could not move in the place. If the police had came in, they would have shut the place, mm-hmm. didn't it? So as soon as they come in, we got treated like pop stars. Eh? They were like crowd surfers <laughs> right onto the stage, and Gowser's like, "Fucking hell what about this! <laughs> this is unbelievable!" And I'm like, "Honestly, mate, it's been like this for the last like two hours. It started like kind of four and four o'clock, and it, this was right through the mm-hmm. night. So they're up on the stage. You would honestly, you'd think it was like take that in concert, jumping about daft. Everybody was hammered, like abs, because they'd obviously been on it on the Saturday Wednesday, and the Sunday, and even to this day, I think Big Gouser and Danny, they say. Where did they stay at your house? Uh, Gouser's got a couple of mates that stay alone here. He's had. got a
0: couple of mates. A
1: couple I'm, of mates. So I think they ended up staying there. But it was, uh, it was a night. night. It was unbelievable. And at King Day, that brought the season to a, a brilliant close, Because eh, we're like, we've done the business, we've managed to beat Hibs. But that night, it was just like a pop concert for like four or five hours. And needless to say, we all ended up having a good.
0: Brilliant. Good party. Uh, 2012 2013, Sergio leaves, McGlund takes over, then loses his job as well. Yep. When did you first hear that you were going to get offered the Hearts, John?
1: I didn't have any inclination whatsoever because I was gutted, you know, because I worked really closely with John and I was gutted when he when he left because he'd got us to the cup final and, you know, I certainly felt that he'd done enough to, to merit, you know, Still, managing the team in the yep. cup final. That was, you know, it was his team would. It was an up and do down season, but he'd, he'd done a great job. And uh, obviously, when John left, um, I was I was gutted. Um, and then the talk was that Peter Houston was coming in as manager in the football. That's that's good because you know what Houston was the first team coach here. I got on really well with Houston, brilliant coach, brilliant manager. he's probably exactly what we're, what the club's needed after the turmoil again. Uh, a really popular figure leaving the club. Uh, like it was like Jeffries and then John McGlynn, and I'm like, Phew. Uh, and then all of a sudden I got pulled in and said, "You've got to make you the manager," and I'm like, "What?" Can I, I couldn't believe it, and they're like, y- "You will be the manager," and and hindsight when you look back at it, I was I was too inexperienced to be the manager, but it was the cheap option because I wasn't I wasn't own big money, and obviously the club little known to me, but the club was on the on the brink of going So you never under. knew that
0: at the time
1: though. Never knew that at the time. I sat down with him and he basically says, there's your budget. I want you to go and sign whoever you want. So I'm, I'm thinking, "I wouldn't mind getting him in? I'm getting him in. And Boydie had just scored, I don't know, about 30, 40 goals that season. I'm thinking like, if I could get him to lead the line, get a goal scorer a in, chance, got yeah. half a chance of doing all right. And then uh, the next game day, <laughs> next game day, I come in and he says, It wasn't anybody for Lithuania, it was Trevor Burch and Brian Jackson. And they're sitting going like, we're administrators, this is how it is. And uh, I'll never, I'll genuinely never forget that day, the day I die. He sat me down, says, right, you're a big hearts man, you're manager of the club. The the fans had just raised something like £2 million uh, in a share issue, which disappeared. And this was only like five, six months after that, and he says, if we didn't raise 1.7, 1.8 million in the next two weeks, he says, the doors behind you will be getting shut. And phew, it was like I a dagger, dagger in the heart, I swear. Being a big jambo in that, I'm like, you could be kidding me, man. I knew, like, I, I, there was some of the things Vladimir did, and me and the gaffer and Billy would sit and go, by the way, we can't afford that, we can't afford that wage, can't afford that. We can't afford that we could kind of see it coming, coming uh, but at the same time, you're always thinking, nah, he's no, got right, he'll come money. up with the money, the money. He'll, he'll sort it all out, and uh, the place imploded. It was unbelievable. So, I went home that night, again, I was an emotional wreck. I'm like, who can, my team no, might not be here in two weeks' time. You know, I've got three daughters, I'm like, you know, I want them to grow up watching Hearts, and all my family are jambos, this is our club, what what do I need today here to help us survive? So the next again day I faced you know, hundreds and hundreds of media guys, STV, Sky, everybody. And I, I found it really, really difficult, but I knew I had to I had to sort of be the voice of the club. And it was like, look, every fan that's been on the streets when we've paraded the cup, every fan that's got that extra wee bit of money, and I was well aware that fans had already gave us money probably they never had, says if you've got a spare fiver, we need it. And if we if we didn't get it, we're we're not going to be here. And I mean, the reaction after that is something that I've never, like, I never ever thought I'd see. And it just showed you just how how loyal the Hearts fans are. And it made me like immensely proud to be a to be a Jambo because I had it was, it was unbelievable. A wee six-year-old kid came into training ground in with his piggy bank, and gave it, it was about twenty-four pounds sixty pence in it. Wow and gave us his money, he says, I just want to have a team to support, and I'm sitting there that going, quite emotional? Uh... Oh, I was, I was I, I'd gone, can I wait upstairs, like, t- tears were coming to fit, and I says, no wee man, see when we get better, you're coming back in here, and, there was loads of wee kids did that, but he was the first, so when things did get slightly better, that it was a tough season, but when things were looking a wee bit better, when Ann came in, I made sure that he came back in, spent the day with the boys, spent the day with Marcel and Billy and that, but that, in, in two weeks, I mean, the fans raised something like one point eight, one point nine million pounds, oh, yeah. and it just showed you what this club meant to so many people, and you know the fans, and obviously Anna, the reason why we're sitting in, you know, probably one of the best stadiums in the country now, which is fantastic. Uh, to are see. you quite
0: proud that you were the manager that managed to save the club?
1: Well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't put it as I was the manager that saved the club. But at that time, I mean, I was the, time the, I was club the got manager a... in our most difficult period in the club's history. And I'd like to think that, you know, I, I, I donate to the foundation, I'm a, I'm, I put money in to save our hearts when probably I shouldn't have done. But I'd like to think that I've played my part, but I, I've no played my part any more than any, any, any hearts fan that, that maybe can't come to the game but pays their foundation money every month. They're, they're for me, they're the real, you know, I get sometimes people say to me, oh, you're a hearts legend. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a Hearts legend I think that the fans that put money into this club religiously every month they're the legend because they kept the club here and Anne, and obviously Anne Budge who if it hadn't been for her you know God knows what would have happened What a woman eh
0: uh, Just on the managerial front uh, were you keen to keep the job permanently despite the chaos?
1: Well I knew at the start of that season you know I'll be openly honest I was too inexperienced and too young to be the, the Hearts manager but the way the situation was it was an opportunity that, as a Hearts man through and through, I was never going to knock back. And we sat at the start of that season and, you know, no disrespect, like, and the youth teams I played and we won, we won everything. So we kind of showed that we were the best young players in the country. Darren Murray had done a brilliant job with the young lads here and gave them a brilliant ground and he was a great, fantastic coach. But they, were, they, they hadn't won the reserve league. You know, you know we go, we'd done quite well in the, the youth cup and that, but we hadn't really won the reserve league. And they'd finished maybe third, third, fourth in the reserve league. So we were getting a group of young lads that had loads of potential, but they probably weren't of the best group of young players in Scotland at that time. So we sat with the squad and I looked at the squad and like me and Billy were openly honest with each other. Said, with that squad... Even without the 15 points, this is going to be a struggle for us. And my worry was, you know, I'm thinking, we'll go to Celtic to play, we've got Hibbs to play. We are basically a youth team. We had Jamie Hamill, Ryan Stevenson, Jamie McDonald. They were three experienced players. Danny Wilson was captain at 20, 21, I think he was. All the rest of the squad were like 16, 17, 18. And they weren't ready for it. Mm -hmm. They weren't ready for it. But we had no other option but to put them in the team. At the start of the season, it was like brilliant fre- freshness about us. They were all in, they, were, they did quite well, we had a d- reasonable start. And then, like any young player, a lot of them took a dip. And we were like, what do we do here? We've just got to you kind know, of scrat- every Saturday night. I'm scrapped, we've been beat, we got annihilated with Celtic here, which was always a worry of mine because I thought, you know, if Celtic turned up the day and we didn't, we could Can be on be the end of dinner. hammering, which was what happened. But what we done is we just worked with them every day religiously. We spent hours on the training pitch with them. We tried to get them fit. Dave Sykes did a great job, made them physically better. And, but at the end of the season, I took enormous satisfaction out of seeing them kind of go from kids to adults. And, you know, you're Jason Holtz, Jamie Walkers, Big Callum Patterson. Uh, they all then, for me, became kind of first-team players. And then we beat Kilmarnock here 5-0, which which gave me and Billy huge satisfaction because we played... We pace. we passed it well, we got forward well, we scored a few goals. It was quite exciting to watch. Um, And then at the end of the season, obviously, I moved on. But I took enormous satisfaction for how these young lads had finished that season because uh, they had started to fulfil some of their potential. And some of them, you know, they went on to different things. And we knew some of them weren't good enough, but uh-huh. we had no option but to put them in, and, and they handled themselves brilliantly. Even though relegation was likely at the start, is it still oh, still hard to take? Because uh-huh. obviously you did not want to be a manager that takes that goes down. down. But mm. without the 15-point deduction, we would have been you no know, level where I think it was Hibs. Mm. So it was. It, it didn't give me any satisfaction, but I was satisfied in as much that I don't think you know. I look back on it and. I don't think there's anything that I would have changed, you know, I tried to do everything that I possibly could. In that season, we were still fighting for being here as a club, so I attended every every single charity night that I could. I went to every fundraiser that I could. I spent hours and hours on the training pitch. I, I went and watched games all over the place. And I never spent any time, you know, in the house or that. Was it draining Oh, it was draining, I, ah, it was draining. There was some nights it was, it was hard. Especially when we were when, when a couple of games where we got beat, and you're thinking, God, they've made the same mistake as they did last week. Are they learning? Are they taking it in? all that? And then you're also saying, Well, I can't sign anybody. I've got the same group of boys next week. So we need keep their what we've got to do, like you, you've got to go on a Monday and lift the spirits. But there isn't really anybody to lift you, uh, and that's where I found, uh, you know, Andy Prime, the club chaplain when he was great. Charlie Chaplin, I call him, <laughs> was brilliant. He, he was just, he somebody, him, would you, huh? just somebody different to speak to. You know, I spoke to obviously my family and uh, everybody that was close to me. But just a different different voice sometimes. It was just a great great release for me sometimes where I could just get things get off my chest um, and then go back on the training pitch the next day and, and be as bubbly That's as fresh, what I normally yeah. was.
0: Uh, you said Dan Budge taking over. Uh, were you interested in staying on as manager?
1: Okay, I, would have, I would have loved to have got a, a shot when everything was better. Because you know, obviously then we had a, we had a wee bit of money behind us uh, and I'd got the club, kind of out of administration and, and it was time for the club to move forward. But, you know, certainly, there certainly wasn't any bitterness. You know, Anne came in and uh, Craig came in on the football side and, and decided to go down a different route. That's football. You know, it was, it was hard. It probably would have been easier for me if it wasn't hearts. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, you know, it did, it did hurt for four or five months. Uh, but I was really, really fortunate that in that summer Alan Johnston had phoned me up to, to ask me to go and be his assistant at Kilmarnock and that was a, that was a brilliant opportunity uh, and obviously being tight with Alan as I was uh, I seen that as a, a, a brilliant opportunity as well so, you know, Hearts then made an appointment and they moved on and done brilliantly that season and, you know, I went to Killie with, with Alan You uh-huh. uh,
0: then went on to manage Killie, Rafe and Cowden Beef. Have uh, these experience put you off management, or you want to get back in it?
1: Aye, put you off. Listen, I love I love my time in management, and you know in football you don't know what's round the corner. But there is a lot of things I didn't like. I, I did miss at all. Politics uh, and that politics, stuff. Uh-huh. unbelievable people that you know. Some people that you think you can trust, and as a first team coach as an assistant, everybody's your mate. The minute you become the top man. Phew, you see a difference in a lot of people. Really? Uh, and that's one thing I didn't miss. And, and any manager will tell you that. Any yeah. manager that, that says to you that they didn't have problems at their club and that, they're, they're lying because it's it's a hard, hard gig now. And I, I genuinely take my heart off to all the, the, the modern-day managers because the amount of stuff will no, all oh, perfect. And I'm certainly not perfect. And I know that I've made mistakes. Uh, and there are you know, clubs that went a wee bit better and what have you. But some of the rubbish you've got to put up with now, eh, it's a thankless task, I think.
0: Is that the first thing for a manager? Like, fans are so quick to criticise, but they didn't really see what's going on behind the scenes.
1: Aye, I, I i would love for fans to be able to go and see just how hard a manager works and a backroom staff works because, you a lot of people, they see you on a Saturday and they think, and you just take the training and then that's you. But there's so much goes on at a club. Kind there's so much you've got to do. There's so much you've got to do for the players nowadays, especially... There's all different other things, all, you know, things that you probably shouldn't be having today, but you do. And, uh, you know, managers work, work their tails off, and, and all right, it doesn't happen for some of us. And it doesn't happen for some of the coaches and that, but it's certainly no for the lack of, trying. you know, trying. And, you know, I, I, I laugh with my old man and that all the time. I say, all the best players in the world sit in the pub. And it's true. Kind of like the fans want to appoint the next you know, whenever Craig decides to move on, point the next tax manager, she'd be better going into the Bond of the Gross Social Club. Cos <laughs> they all know what, the problems of the
0: hat. See, when you were the
1: manager, just the last
0: bit, see, when you were the manager, would your dad be, oh, would
1: he question he was you? What, he? what would you put him on for? <laughs> would you do that? But it was good. As I say, my, my, my close family and all my mates and that, they, they go right behind me. And it was a, It was difficult. Even when I went to Kille, it was difficult. Wraith, it was difficult. King beef was difficult. But, you know... I can always put my hand on heart and say, I tried my best and for me that's that's all you can do. If you try your best and it doesn't work, then you just hold your hands up and say, You know what, it's not for me. But if it when you do get the fruits of winning things and and people coming up to you and, and referring to you as a legend and things like that, they're the days that make everything all the worthwhile. garbage days worthwhile. And can through football I've, I've met loads of great people. Can very, very what I could count on one hand the amount of people that I'd probably say, a did like. Probably yeah. mostly fickle man, it? <laughs> no, as I, say, I'm I love my time there. <laughs> and it was a great... Billy Bowie, I'm over the moon for him now. Because Steve Clarke's went in there and what, what a job he's done. He's done an absolutely unbelievable job. But for people like, you know, Billy Bowie, who puts his money where his mouth is, who takes the stick for the supporters that he shouldn't be taking... Uh, and Budge here as well. The job that the, these people do for football clubs is, is nothing short of incredible, and I'm delighted to see them doing doing really, really well. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, you, very much. loved it. Cheers.
0: Cheers. All right. Tom, man